We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, and sometimes we make you cry. <laughs> Get ready for that. Fear the Walking Dead has returned. Thankfully, they didn't leave us here with episode eight of season six called The Door. Basically, <laughs> the John Dory exit episode. There's going to be a lot of editing in this episode because there's going to be losses of words. There's going to be, a, you know, I don't know what to talk about. I don't know how to say this without crying. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of that. So, so you all know that after I did the crying part, now I can go back to this part and be a complete asshole. <laughs> Yeah. Counting on <laughs> no. you to make me laugh. I feel like the pressure's on. I feel like I need to put it on <laughs> for everybody. Obviously, there are going to be some parts that might get me. Just my gotcha. Gotcha. You're no right. So like that part. <laughs> see? Oh, That's it. Yeah. Really? <sighs> In the same intonation. <laughs> I can't help being a good actor. Thank you. Thank Already. you. See, Thank and you. then I saw John's face. and it Like here down. I look like John. From here, here down. And for the audio listeners, it's from the mustache, the end of the mustache downward. June slapping Virginia. June slapping Virginia. June slapping Virginia. Negan and goggles. Negan and goggles. That part where he, where he falls into the water. The music, it's so good. It feels like cleansing. You know, there's some songs that motivate you. And then sometimes you hear the right song and it just, whatever frustration you're feeling, sometimes it just pours out. It's like, oh, we're all like this. Oh, we're all here for only a little while. And then the song has to do with belief. You know, what do you believe? You know, when everything around you is lies. The song is uh, it's called To Believe by the Cinematic Orchestra. Basically, the entire album revolves around the idea of what kind of emerged post- I, it's not really a Trumpian thing, but it's something that has had been emerging before Trump, which was, you know, what do we believe when all we see are exaggerations or what the, what the news wants us to see, what they exaggerate to get clicks, clickbait, rage bait, negativity bias, cognitive dissonance, when people are tribed up in two different camps. Truth is, a lot of that pervades Fear the Walking Dead too. It started in season five with Jenny manipulating the gang's tape, we're here to help, and spun it to to make her seem like the victim, you know, the seem like the, the savior, let's say. And it, we find ourselves here where John doesn't know which way is up, or he does know which way it's up, is up, but does not know his footing in light of that. You know, and it's funny because I, I went back to Fear the Walking Dead season four, episode one, seeing John, John come on the scene. And he's just so, it's funny. We talked about Negan having to be a certain way, not himself, but something else. When I saw John, we kind of got the idea that he just was the way Way he was he never changed he never had to be something else like he was basically his side gig in real life one of the few people that really didn't change post-apocalypse and survived for so long now part of that obviously is because he was hermited away after his incident he just kind of just stayed away he just was himself for a very long time so becky saying john is vulnerable in his first scene in season four well you have to consider the fact that this was just after laura came into his life and spun it around a little bit and made him finally leave his cabin okay i'm not trying to make you guys cry <laughs> Here. But this is this is the first time he was like stirred up, you know, and still himself. The apocalypse didn't make John different. It just made him himself. He just it's he just was the same pre and I think that's fascinating. I think that's why he hits us a little hard. It's like I know not everybody liked Dale because of Dale face or whatever reason. Maybe he was annoying, you know, just as equally as Andrea was defiant, Dale was trying to get her to be something she wasn't. When you consider that John never tried to make anybody feel or do anything against anybody that they didn't want to do. 
He was just himself. He didn't become extra. I mean, he was a cowboy, okay? But it wasn't any different than his own life. And this is what I appreciated about the character. Like, where, whereas Negan had to be somebody completely different to survive the world, John just had to be himself, continue to be himself. And I just think that's so great. And so when somebody leaves the scene, having not having had changed, and to the point where he was almost forced to change, have to change, and it completely decentered him, like that corruption, the fact that he didn't know which way was up by the end of it, but didn't have the right footing to navigate anymore. Like I thought I knew what what to do in this world, but somebody showed me that I that maybe I don't. Or maybe it unsettled him to the point where like he felt like he doesn't belong anymore. And just before the end, he realized maybe I could be, and it was already too late. And that's the saddest part of all. When we see somebody who is so tortured, so unsure, so unconfident, when he steps on the scene and he is very confident, so sure, so himself, it's it's sad because that's you. You, in a sense that's everything you want to be and the one thing you don't want to have to be is unconfident we've talked about this before but it's like seeing your dad cry this thing that you look up to this person that you look up to when he breaks down you break down i did want to comment uh, on something that sharon d said to us a while ago like john and june is the reason i came on the scene but for me it was just i'm story whatever but I'm going to admit something. I don't often talk about favorites on the show, like Morgan, right? I always c proclaim Morgan as my favorite character, and it's still true. But I've always had this like weird affinity to John, the same way that I have an affinity towards Rick. I am a sucker for virtuous characters. I'm a sucker for people who are flawed, but in the end, they try to do what's right. And when Jenna started talking about Garrett on, on Talking Dead, it really started getting to me that like, oh, this symbol of hope, which is what Morgan alluded to in this episode is what he needed, Morgan, for the dam. And having that person gone, the John Dory movement can maybe go on, or the John Doe movement can go on, but the person is gone. The person behind that movement was good too. The person behind that was everything and meant so much, obviously, to, to June Dory. My bias is that I'm sad about it. I'm sad that that character had to go. I'm sad that that character had to leave to make the story move forward. I wish it wasn't the case. I wish it didn't have to happen. After a week plus processing all this, even Charity's admitting that I don't know if she'll agree in the moment, right? Because sometimes you say something and then you don't go back to it. But like even Charity's has said, it's going to make it so that June becomes something different, maybe something more, something greater, something more violent, something more vengeful, maybe something more precise. I'm scared for June in that respect, because sometimes when you lose somebody you care about the most, you become something that you don't recognize. Something that we actually pointed out two episodes beforehand in Bury Her Next to Jasper's Leg, one of the things that I said was, I thought that the fact that June didn't kill Ginny was a good thing, because... Of all people to have June again have to feel like she has to kick herself in the ass about something awful that she did would be horrible for June or go down a path that she can't come back from which happened to John instead. I don't know what to think about June at this point. I do b believe in June, obviously hashtag believe in June or I believe in June. So Sharon D says, John says, if your death doesn't matter, then your life must not have mattered much either. Who mattered more than anyone than John? It's going to be meaningful in some way that we can't see. Well, yeah, and so I'm hoping for that. I'm hoping for that. I'm not saying I, I'm counting it out, but I worry sometimes. It's like Morgan again. I worry that he goes down, like something bad happens and he just goes back right back to like, I lose people, I lose myself something to believe. So yeah, I, I have a bias. It sucks because it makes it so that I, like, yeah, you saw my voice started getting, and, and John, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, 
where'd my fourth go? And so that's what was started happening because it, it, it really gets to me. It really gets to me. I really, really like the character. And I don't know about any of you, but like, I kind of saw myself in John. I saw, hey, I could be that. Couldn't I? <laughs> Probably not. But I, you know, it would be great if I could. John's so much better than I ever could be. And the fact that he could survive made it even cooler. <laughs> like somebody like that can exist in the world. Sharon, he says, you feel about John the way I feel about June. June is like, I think it's a little bit more complicated than John. Doesn't immediately strike everyone as a an unself-interested person. Like she left to find something for her kid. Her kid got sick and killed everybody else, essentially. And she harbors that guilt. Right, sure, of course. <laughs> Remember when I compared her to somebody who doesn't mask up? <laughs> <laughs> basically kills everybody <laughs> like but again like it goes to show that what could happen when you don't mask up right <laughs> but at the same time i mean she did it for her kid you know and you and that who can honestly say they wouldn't do the same like who can say they they wouldn't risk their own life you've said it plenty of times rachel where you would risk your life to save your kid be damned other kids damn everybody else period but they are in that respect a little different john and june and like john wouldn't kill marcus if it meant in the next hour marcus would come back and kill morgan and morgan gets that that's why morgan needed him you know morgan needed him to keep him grounded we saw evidence of that in damage from the inside where he was just about to say alicia you got to do my plan and he's like ah, shit you're right you know i can't be the one driving this bus you know i can't keep insisting that my way is the only way you know i need alicia i need john and now i don't have john and i would be worried for morgan too about my soul morgan's ready to do the thing ready to do whatever it takes he needs his limiters he needs his alishers sharon D says june is all all out of fucks to give becky mentions dakota she happens to say fuck dakota hashtag dakota from sharon D. when i first watched the episode with you guys i think i couldn't think for a, a little while i was trying to make sense out of her character a little bit and i i've gotten a little bit closer to it but i still feel weird about it we we have to remember a couple of things and that she is a kid and the kid in the apocalypse it's kind of complicated we kind of hate them because they take certain high concepts and run with them to the nth degree you remember being a kid you remember taking yourself way too seriously as much as you guys don't want to hear me <laughs> And maybe I don't want to hear me too. say cover for somebody who just killed the people. And again, this is me revealing my bias too. I don't want to hear me talk about somebody and trying to cover for her. I'm just trying to make sense out of this because if I don't make sense out of this, who wins? Who wins in this scenario? If I don't try, Dakota wins. If I don't try making sense out of this, Dakota is right. Maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe trying not to figure her out means she wins. That's the fucked up part. It is like this weird paradox. Maybe it doesn't mean anything, but it does. It does. It all means something. It has to because it's a story. It has to make sense. Now, if it doesn't make sense, it's just bad writing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to make sense. And Sharon, you said it before. It's for a reason that we can't see right now. We have to put the pieces together. Man, I was getting a little angry. <laughs> I'm like, this, I'm just like trying to defend myself. <laughs> like, I know I have to be this way. Oh, I know where you're coming from because I said a lot of the same things about Dakota. And 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 I always have to start with, you know, I'm I'm not defending her because this was inexcusable and unforgivable. But the things that she was saying made sense. Well, the Rangers do whatever they want and Ginny does whatever she wants. This is just this is just how it is. And for her, that that is how people live. That that is the normal for her. Not that not that that's okay, but I mean it's gotta be really messed up in her head. It's like growing up around the clan. If that's all you know, that's that's your worldview right. out of the box. And until you get confronted with something that says otherwise, you're not gonna question it. And even when you confront that thing, which she does. I don't think her behavior 
after everything really warrants forgiveness either. She didn't have to do this. This was a choice. She wasn't in danger. Even when she killed Cameron, it was it was for such a selfish reason. He told on me. Really? Really? But that's normal for her. And so she's like, oh, you won't let me do what I want. What? You're not going to let me do whatever I want? Well, then I'm going to kill you because that's what my sister would do. John says it when they're talking about how life having meaning. But you know what, Sharon, I'm not, there's nothing that I'm going to say, nothing that we're both going to say right now. It's, I'm pointing the the guns at me because I yeah. know I'm going to be the one <laughs> driving this bus. On, no, I don't I, feel I don't bad want, for her. I'm a little caught because what do you tell somebody like that? Like, what do you tell somebody who's grow, grown up like that? You, we have to do the calculus. How young was Dakota when this whole thing started happening? How far are we in the apocalypse? So from the from the time where Negan fell, that's like two two years, two and a half years. Morgan, a couple months later, you're already almost at eh, you're like midway into almost three years. From all that time until we get to season six, because we're doing these little mini time jumps by the time Morgan wakes up all stitched up from Dakota and I'm admitting it. Okay. <laughs> I'm admitting it. I think we're like about five years. Cause we're also, we also have time that passed between when the dam broke, when Nick exploded the dam too, like at least a year. Rebecca maybe Punch more. is pretty adamant that it's been three years. I think it's definitely more than three years, Rebecca. <laughs> I was thinking it's gotta, like four for some reason. It's gotta be way more than three years. I'm not saying like seven i'm saying like i did but now that you're saying that it makes sense it'd be more like five or six the time jump between when morgan leaves until the bridge the hurricane that washed out the bridges in uh season nine episode one where they were talking about the bridges being washed out by the storms okay so so that's before what he about. goes and asks maggie for help yes okay so before that so okay. there's a span okay. of time between when morgan leaves the show until oh you know i guess quote unquote old man Rick <laughs> shows up or like younger old man Rick let's just say season four happened throughout that we're talking about like the time it takes to grow an eggplant yeah. that's that's the span of time Morgan had before he even left the show when Morgan left it was already three years after the yeah, three years after so it cannot be three years it has to be at least a year after that I will say maybe four years and then several months until Morgan gets patched up four and a half years but now we're being like super super conservative I mean we are jumping yeah. in time now John's been at his cabin for for like weeks, a couple weeks here, a couple weeks there, several weeks here. Okay, I, I I won't say we're past six years. We're not. We're not even close. Probably five and a half. I'm I'm gonna bank on that on five and a half. Five, five and a half. We're talking being generous. I'm being generous here. Becky says, did Morgan say anything about how long it took him to travel from VA to Texas? We actually okay. did some walking math to do some conservative <laughs> estimates. And then also did some, obviously he had some cars or some access to cars at the time. I had initially said like three weeks. <laughs> being a complete psychopath between the running the taking cars and then the walking but it was like two months max so a couple months after all out war then the time it takes to get to texas that's another couple months right now you're so you're at the border of three years you can believe what you want i it because in the end it doesn't really matter does it? No, but it'll be funny forever and ever because timelines will always be a trigger. Honestly, you can win. I don't care. <laughs> you can you can have it. You can take well, your timelines. The fear timeline is a little more confusing for me, but when it comes to The Walking Dead, I, I mean, it's all about Judith. Nobody can change how they grow, so she is the timeline. 12 years and 7 months. <laughs> So we're no. gonna go back to like i right. didn't know that we're that far in sherry and i spent like three hours plotting every significant location in texas <laughs> and then a few theory locations just based on quotes from the show and things people have said. 
was that the was that the map that we ended up posting though with the keys oh oh there's so many more spots on it now it's that plus so much more (laughs) oh god becky asked so when they found the factory before season five was there a time jump when season five started yes for sure months trying to find people or at least weeks several weeks trying to find people to help losing hope after several weeks so sharon says and i'm just gonna have to slap her on this one uh dave you will not convince me june waited several weeks to go after john and maybe i can't convince you but it was said on the show well john says a couple which is less than several which is like a couple means two two my argument is that you're talking about somebody who will lose track of time in isolation like anybody else you hide yourself away and after a while you think what gets what brings a man to a state where he feels like he can't hack this world two weeks i think more see i was thinking it probably feels like two weeks, but maybe it's less. Because, I mean, nobody has clocks anymore. It feels longer to him being without her. It feels longer. Well, I don't think that's the point, though, that Sharony's trying to make. I think Sharony's having a hard time thinking June would wouldn't come, come look for him. Believe me, I think the Rangers have been looking for him. That right there would be a reason that June wouldn't come running to him. The Rangers yeah. are looking for him, and they would absolutely follow her if she left and, and tried to find him. So yeah. she might not have had an opportunity. On top of that, which is obviously the the reason why she hasn't gone out there hasn't told the rangers where to find him obviously but there's another factor and that's going to be a guilt factor on top of not being able to see him not being able to go out there herself not being able to send somebody out there to see him find out if he's okay you've got june working on this hospital trying and actually trying to help people and at the expense of her relationship with John. And that's going to come up at some point. And there's going to be a little guilt involved too. At the same time, you do what you can. You help who can be helped. What are you going to do? You know, what what do you expect from June? And then also like, okay, look, I don't know about you, Rachel, you, your relationship with Eric is a lot like mine and Evelyn. It's, and yours and Sharon, you and your husband, like you just, if, they gotta go off and do a thing that you do them. You miss them. You trust that they're gonna come back. And that's the that's the whole other side of the equation. You know, aside from the helping people and probably gonna have to feel guilty about that, sometimes you, you just have to trust your other half, your better half, to come back. Now, June doesn't know the full extent of John's despair. So there's that too. And now she's gonna know at some point and gonna beat herself up over it. But meanwhile, she has nothing to feel bad about. There's nothing she could have done. Oh, I just pictured Morgan giving June the Scrabble tiles. Oh, I I wouldn't. Would you? That's a good question. Would you have given June the Scrabble yeah. tiles? I, Absolutely. You Absolutely. I wouldn't tell her the full extent of what they meant. The message than... of goodbye, June? She's not stupid, though. I think it would have been, it would have been a lot better to not get that, I think. Because like, then that, that's, that means I was planning on leaving this world. That's an interesting ethical uh, question. Like, one that I've, I've brought up on the show before, like, uh, just a quick reminder, like my mom didn't tell her aunt that her, my mom's mother passed away, my grandmother, because she was already pretty sick and she didn't want her to die of a broken heart, which, you know, that's just the, either it's a feeling, it's a fact, placebo effect is real. Sometimes when you hear bad news, your physical body suffers. And so I didn't understand at the time, it was all about the truth, blah, blah, blah. But the, the whole thing was that like, you know, didn't want her to hurt unnecessarily. But you bring this kind of factor to the equation, like, okay, should Morgan, the one of the last memories that 
June has of John, first of all, be having John be a, a walker to begin with, fine. But at least she got to touch him. That's something. At least she got to sort of, in her own way, have a body with which to bury. There was closure. Yeah, there was a sort of, I got to do it, which is good for her, I think. I think I she get, needs to be there. In a really twisted way, I, I get that. Have that person in your hands when they yeah. go. Yeah, the sucky feeling of them not being even there when they do go. Okay, then we go back to this question of the Scrabble tiles. like, And I just don't feel like that would be productive or it would be helpful. To have that physical thing of goodbye June means that's the last thing I'm going to remember. Like that physical thing that's going to be with me. Like, no. I don't, I, and I wouldn't want to want to keep it if, I was if it was given to me. I like, See, I, I would look at it and think at least he got to say goodbye. This is, I got my goodbye. I don't know. I mean, yes, the there's, there's more. Yeah, I, yeah. And that's, yeah. Of course, I have this, this nice idea and then Dave comes and shits all over it and then I'm like, yeah, you're right. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> in, in any other context, like, okay, let's say you're like, you know, let's say you find it years down the line, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and there was no intention to, 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 to off yourself. Yeah. Goodbye, June. It's like, okay, if you happen upon this body or this, you know, if I'm yeah. not even here, I just wanted to know that I was thinking about you and, you know, I'm not here anymore. And it's not just, because I killed myself. I promise. <laughs> you know? It's just the idea that, you know, he got to say goodbye. I'm, yes, there's, you know, darkness surrounding all of that, but yeah. I don't know. It would, for me, it, I feel like it would feel nice to, to have that. I mean, he carried his tiles with him that she left for him. And that yeah. wasn't necessarily a happy message. I mean, it said, I love you, but she was also leaving. So True. And he carried those with him. So, well, what's interesting about those tiles is that he didn't carry it with him. Morgan basically put him in his hands and said, right. I know what you were trying to do, bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And that's why he has it on him. So Charity says she has the yeah, oh, tiles. Oh, the, oh, those tiles. Okay. Not the goodbye ones that are still yeah. in John's pocket somewhere. That's fine with me. That makes yeah. more sense to me. Yeah. The exchange hands throughout the relationship. <laughs> also, don't forget that Rabbi Kessner still has that letter that John wrote. Right. That's going to oh, contextualize it that even more. has to come back into play at some point. We don't know what's in the letter exactly, do we? Mm -mm. It was the letter he left before he was going to save Janice. I tail it out of there. Which, same context, he was going to probably head to his cabin and but probably yeah. tell her all about his quest and not knowing which way is up and all that stuff. One of the things the episode makes pretty clear is that he tries to do the right thing. Let's just start from there. John always tries to do the right thing, through and through. You know, even if that right thing, and John mentions this, okay, this is going to sound like I'm tooting my own horn. Yeah, I'm not. But one of the things I, I <laughs> this is the thing that, that you guys ended up hating me for, but loving me for at the same time. <laughs> but in the key, one of the main things that that I said is that John got Janice killed. And John bears that weight. And it was never more clear. When, oh my God, I'm getting emotional. It was never more clear when John finally says it out loud, like spells it out completely. Like, and I compare it to his dad. He said, my dad did the wrong thing, but for the right reasons. And then when John said finally, like I got Janice killed, I said to myself, John did the right thing for the wrong reasons. And it breaks my heart because I saw it. I didn't want to see it. And I felt bad about pointing it out at the time. And it was really rough because I had to be the guy that said that. It was like, no, John's great. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I get it. John's a good guy and he's doing the right thing. And I don't want him to not do the right thing. But there's something tragic about doing the right thing and then getting the people you love killed because in pursuit of that right thing. Because some people, and this is like the argument sometimes people have about, have about Carol even too. Like she's doing the thing that needs to get done. I want her to do the thing that she needs to get done. I just want her to do it more carefully. Or barring that not at all like i wanted to do the thing i wanted to be able to succeed but if <sighs> 
if other people aren't agreeing to pay the price she's willing to pay, I don't want her to do the thing. Or I want her to get other people involved to make sure she succeeds. And so the same thing with John. I, that's why I like to compare the two, because like you can look at these two almost completely different characters in some ways, but then also agree that they are righteous people. They are virtuous people. They are trying to do the thing that keeps their family, my family, safe. <sighs> And like by the end of the episode and you watch the episode again, the key I'm, st I'm talking about, you're almost like screaming at John. Stop, John, stop. You don't know which way is up. I saw the end of the episode. <laughs> John, I'm here from the future. I'm trying to tell you to stop. When he says it out loud and I compare it to the dad, it's like, yeah, you may be doing the same thing to yourself, but you have no reason to do that. You did the right thing. It just, you did it in a world where the rules, the, the rules of physics are not aligned in a way that makes it work. And this kind of takes me back to the beginning of the episode one of the first things that we see is obviously the parallel to fear the walking dead's laura where john is cleaning the guns he's inspecting the thing never intending to shoot them which i i, I found kind of fascinating at first did it not clean clean put it away that's gone and then he goes out and kills a walker with a shovel in this episode he's cleaning the thing but getting ready to kill himself like to use it for the last time at least he'll have a clean gun before he goes but just can't stop killing walkers every time they wash up kills walkers kills walkers can't stop and what's playing in the background meet john doe and what's the scene db norton in the movie is even warning john that his suicide will, will have amounted to nothing because in the movie john doe john willoughby is basically about to kill himself saying you know he's he's been exposed the john doe movement is alive maybe is not alive you know but he's been exposed so the most of the people this phenomenon of this john doe thing now to explain this a little bit better a newspaper reporter plucks out a random hobo <laughs> and basically makes him a phenomenon she says this hobo is going to uh kill himself based on the state of the world and then she writes about it in this column it, it just explodes the column used to be a newspaper that was trying to find truth and, and expose it speaking truth to power uh illustrating all the all the ills of society and like bringing the darkness to light at some point the newspaper transitioned over to this kind of like shock and awe kind of newspaper run by a editor who named db norton who was it's alluded that he's a fascist but the, really it's speaking to the ills of crony capitalism and all that stuff and he's it's he's all about the clickbait he's all about the rage bait he's all about the things that it, that, that are going to get people to buy newspapers when john doe gets this height there's this hobo gets you know gets his name in the paper uh and it's john doe not john willoughby it, it, it's a completely made up story John Doe becomes a phenomenon, but eventually D.B. Norton tries to harness the power of this John Doe movement, where people are rallying, they're trying to do good, they're trying to, you know, better the state of the world, and he, he, he tries to form a third party, third political party, and run for president, I think it was, and when John Doe won't endorse him, he destroys John Doe, or the idea of John Doe, and at the end of the movie, he's like saying, I really will kill myself, because there's just nothing left to live for, I was just some dude on the street, you know, I was, I, my life didn't really amount to nothing. Meanwhile, the story that she made up about Ben was like, it's been six years since I've had a job or four years since I've had a job. It's just, and I've seen the state of the world. It sucks. The government's not helping out. You know, there's no opportunity out there. It's just hopeless. And so you see this scene with D.B. Norton saying, you know, has a gun to John Doe. And he's like, you're going to be buried in an unknown field in Potter's Field, you know, where John Doe's end up or Jane Doe's end up. We're going to make you nothing again. It's kind of like a stark contrast for the original, from the original concept of the script of, of this movie, which was adapted from a short story where at the end, the guy guy commits suicide to kind of keep his reputation up but john doe in this movie he's like i don't i don't care there's nothing to do with me i never really cared about the reputation never cared about the, the fame or the hilarity like I, I didn't care about it but it's just weird to see db norton say stop john stop 
John Dory, stop. What you're doing doesn't mean anything. If you kill yourself now, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like the bad guy's telling you to stop. Please stop. And, and then after that, the protagonist, you know, uh, the John Doe's followers are kind of like telling him, please, we can start over. Like, in the, and also the, the columnist, she said, we can, we can start over clean, knowing know, that everybody knows the truth. Meaning, John, you know which way is up now. We can start over. We can figure things out. And by the end of this episode, John is willing to try. You know, John is willing to say, hey, maybe this is my purpose. Maybe this is something I can work on. In working on you, I can work on myself. I, I like what they did here. I like that they brought back some of these par these lore parallels that Charity's mentioning, but then also giving us the actual source materials. The moment in the movie where it's like, John, don't let it be for nothing. It, you still mean something. You still have value. Something that we bring over up over and over again on the podcast. You are alive. You can bring something to the table. Becky says, you know, quote unquote, Janice was always going to take the fall. Like this is something that Strand says, and everybody was pissed off about it. But it's hard for John to accept. You know, John always thinks he can try to save the day, you know, and sometimes he does. But kind of like when he was a cop also, though, sometimes it doesn't come without consequences. Like, he does save the day. He does stop the robber or the... It was the guy with a gun, I think it was, robbing a store. Having shot, I think, one of the shop owner. And he shoots him the leg and he bleeds out. This is what makes him hide away from the world. Charity says, he said to himself, he, he wasn't meant for that world. He couldn't live in a world where he couldn't do anything about people who turned the world upside down. Or turned what he knew of the world upside down. I think it's interesting that you say this about Carol and John and Melissa was on that on set to observe the filming of Laura. So Carol, Melissa McBride was on set during Laura watching that being filmed. Uh, that's Becky says that. So many Laura mirrors, uh, so Sharon, says, uh, so thank you for ruining my favorite episode of Fear. <laughs> I didn't do it, Fear did it. Uh, but more importantly, he couldn't do the good that his dad did and, and it was costing him. You know, that's the thing though. He could have, he could have, it just, he needed to figure out how the world worked first. And by the time he figured out how the world worked, he didn't, he didn't, he want to be a part of it. He was like, like, essentially this is too hard for me. Or one of the things that he says on the episode is that I tried so hard all my life to be kind of like my dad, you know, trying to find the truth, trying to live in a world or, or, or at least engender a world where we all should know which way is up. But the one thing that this episode so kind of makes clear by the end of it is that he never really wanted to be his dad. He never really wanted to hide away from the world. He ended up doing that. We ended up repeating our parents' mistakes, the, the mistakes that we never, we always said we wouldn't make. And he made it twice. <laughs> But by the end of this episode, he figures it out. Like, I don't want to be like my dad. And I don't, but I also don't want to do a wrong, this, and this is like the, the paradox. I also don't want to have to do a wrong thing for the right reasons, too. You see that when he doesn't kill Marcus. And Morgan values that. Morgan says, I need that. I need a check to my balance, to this balance. But John is not ready. It took his fr best friend almost losing his life to kill Marcus. Rest in peace, Marcus. Bless. <laughs> but I, I kind of want to get to this whole thing about living in the, this kind of world like john is john says in this episode i ain't right which brings me back to kind of like confused morgan in season eight of the walking dead mm. i know i'm not wrong but i ain't right it's funny how these two characters now find themselves on the other side of where they are now which again is like a fear of the walking dead season four kind of reference the other side of where you are now and again this is season six episode eight we lose madison this in this in this episode season four episode eight uh there is sort of a weird parallel here where we have two people that are you know willing obviously one is willing to off themselves but the other is also willing to off themselves to to sacrifice themselves to save her family and it's just so odd that we haven't seen this kind of death in, in such a long time. Look, Fear fans, we've been blessed. We got really lucky. I mean, one of the things that was kind of like an interesting respite of all of season five, where none of our characters died. I think that's kind of amazing. Like there was that moment almost near the end where 
I guess not the near the end, but like in the first half, where like Alicia gets radioactive blood like in her mouth, mm-hmm. and we're like, "Oh, that's it, that's it. We're gonna lose, we're gonna lose Alicia Clark now." But we got lucky, and Ian and Andrew are benevolent. But we thought for a hot sec, and we were like on eggshells, like for the next few episodes, we're just kind of like, "Is this when the shoe drops?" And then Thomas comes around and goes, "Look, if they off her because of this shit, that's kind of bullshit because you can't get radiation poisoning from this shit. <laughs> yeah, it would take a lot. You take a high exposure too." But I do want to talk about John in this world because, like, I get where he's coming from. Like in the beginning, when he doesn't shoot Marcus, it's a man who says, "I'm gonna try to do what's right." Like I know I fucked up and I got Janice killed, and it. it reminded me of that princess conversation that we had you know where imaginary yumiko tells her just don't do anything you'll be fine eugene says don't fuck this up you know just just play along actually don't say nothing play along and you got ezekiel that says fuck them all (laughs) fuck you if i do too much i could get someone killed if i do too little i could get someone killed so he doesn't kill marcus and he's he's arguing with himself like i should have killed marcus in the in the fucking store and then later on he's like i killed a man like i didn't want to kill the man but i killed a man but i took me too long i should have killed him in the thing Otherwise, you wouldn't be in danger. You could have gotten killed. So he's like, I don't know how to be in this world. He's not say- he just saying I'm fucked up. He's like doing fucked up. He's like not confident anymore. He's not the John that we met in season four. He's not that guy anymore. You see him. He still physically looks like him, but he is messed the fuck up. And it's never more clear when you see him doubting himself two times. Too little, too much. So Becky says, John didn't get a chance to make his way in the in this world. I think he was starting to, but Dakota took that away from him. To reframe the, the statement into a question, do you think John could have found a way to be in this world? Like, in, it, it, where Super Strand 3, Super Alicia 3, Super June Dory 5, probably. <laughs> Like, do you know what I mean? Where these characters have to do things to become certain things in order to pass a difficult moment or be somebody else to live in this world. I think John is too good in every sense of that word, through and through. And I mean, even though it was to save Morgan, killing Marcus took a toll on him, even for the right reasons. And it was only going to get worse. And if John did stick around and started to get used to that, that would be an entirely different John. And for, for, me not in a good way a soulless john who just kills and doesn't feel anything that i wouldn't i wouldn't want to see that even if he could be written in a way where that could happen and he can have an evolution can you even imagine what that could look like that's believable because we fall in love this is a lot like the john doe phenomenon we fall in love with john because he's not just trying to say this in a way that doesn't sound insulting to the character because it's not it's actually he's like a jesus he's good that's what i mean when i say good like he's He's the embodiment, living embodiment of goodness. He is all goodness. And if he's, if he's able to start killing people without, without feeling anything, because that is what this world takes. You have to be able to do what's necessary and detach yourself from it. Because if you allow yourself to feel what you've done, I I don't know anybody who could live with themselves. And John, he's, he's too good. He's wholesome and just, yeah, he's like Jesus, you know, he can do no wrong. One of the first notes that I wrote and I erased because I felt like I was being extra. It hurt to write because I felt responsible. Oh, jeez. It's weird, right? To say, it's weird to say out loud, to feel responsible for like a character's death. But one of the first things I wrote was, it's hard to say out loud. I said, we killed John in a weird way. We saw what we wanted to see in ourselves in John. And sometimes you do this to yourself where you 
you do this with your friends sometimes. Sometimes you do it with the people that you love. Sometimes you do it with like uncles, grandfathers. We, you canonize them. You stop seeing them as people and you start seeing them as people, as, as something to look up, up to. We canonize them. We turn them into Jesus. We, we celebrate them. We, we become their apostles. We, we, we live the way in the way that they want. I mean, that's not wrong, but there was a, a sadness in watching John in this episode and I almost felt guilty. I've pointed it out in this podcast how I don't like the way John is feeling right now, where he's stranded with Strand on the uh, in the peninsula or whatever, the, the little sandbar. And the same episode in 501 where he's losing. He just looks like he's losing hope. Same conversation that Carol has with Daryl in recent, more recently in Walking the Bonus episode is our luck run out. If we can't make our luck work out here, who's to say we can make other people's luck work out there? That was a warning sign. That was a shot across our bow that we completely ignored because we were too busy thinking they can make it in this world. We wanted them to win because when they win, we win. And that's why I said we are so selfish. Nothing wrong with that. But then when you see a character like that die, you're like, did I do that? <laughs> like Urkel, we were talking about this before the show. But did I do that? Did I make him out to be something in a way more, like bigger than he actually is? But he's still a person. He still has feelings. You know, again, he's a character. I have to remind myself he's a character. But did we do that? Did we not want to see? Technically, the writers did that. Yes, so I know. <laughs> I'm not taking the responsibility for this. But I, I want to let the record show I deleted the note because that's just me grieving. My first note was John signed his death warrant by investigating Cameron. Let's, I took that further. In an episode where Morgan on more than one occasion says, I am a ghost. You're not. John's been the ghost. As soon as he figured out which way it was up, it was a march. A march to the gallows. And I don't like saying that, but it has to be pointed out that it just feels like the X at the end of the calendar month and you're just marking off the days until it happens. And I say this just because to tie in the bow, can a person like John live in this world? Would you want John to be to have that sort of evolution? Like, okay, so now I feel like I have to go back to some of Sharon D's comments because, you know, she says in one of them, at least he'd be alive. And I agree, look, as a person, see, this, and this is what I mean by that selfishness that we that we all have. Yes, I mean, I'm the first person on the boat with you, Sharon, when I say at least that person would be alive because he is a person. Well, I mean, he's not, in, he's a character. I have to remember, he's a character. But I'm, I'm the first person to say that a person has an inherent value. And if we're willing to say that about John, this is the problem I have with when I say that out loud, I have to look at every character because, of course, I have to do this thing where I tilt the tripod this way and I go, well, Dakota. So I hate myself for saying that because you have to confront that now. I think I screwed up my camera. <laughs> but yeah, I don't want to talk about Dakota. My show. <laughs> when it comes to John, it's like, yes, you have inherent value. You, you, you exist in the world. Of course you should live. But then there's the question of to do what John has to do, he's no longer John. I'm just going to say it in plain English. And then we go back to the thing that I said about Negan, is that if Negan is no longer Negan, how can he survive in this world? Like, if, if he saves Lucille, who's to say they'll live another day They're, they may be happy and that's great i think that that would be awesome you know man and his wife survive cancer only to live a couple more days die by the hands of walkers become walkers roam this earth fine that's a good story <laughs> 
but it's not the walking dead. It's not how it turned out. It's not the, the whole avalanche of consequences that we can't yet see in fear of the walking dead for the rest of this season. This is kind of what I wanted to get to though. Sharon D June and John were the reason why you came aboard. And I think it's the reason why a lot of, a lot of people came aboard. I see these episodes. They don't like them. And then, I mean, not you, you started with that. Even the walking dead watchers coming onto fear for the first time saying, Oh, because of the crossover and seeing this and being like, Oh, this is not the fear I was introduced to. Okay. I'll, I'll, and then Laura comes around and it, they're hooked. Seeing John and June, they're hooked. And then they, they carry on. They're like, I think I like this. I like John because he's cool. He's confident. He's a gunslinger. I like June. She's complicated. She runs away a lot. Then she comes back. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, she's a badass. But she's also real. And that's that's this interesting contrast of somebody who's has a very real experience. I mean, John does too. But we see John. We choose to see John a certain way. And we are confronted with the, the person that June is. And we ha we accept it because that's the kind of great people that we are. We see June's mistakes because we're primed with the Walking Dead experience. We see the flaws and then we move past them. We see the damage that they could have done, that they did do, accept it and move on. But I don't know about you. I don't watch for John and June. <laughs> I, I, I watch for the story. I'm an asshole like that. But it is difficult to imagine a world in which John and June don't inhabit it. But then I also think to myself, it's difficult to live in a world where your be best friend is no longer in it. It's difficult to imagine a world in which your grandfather isn't in it, isn't in it your father isn't in it, your mother, your sister, your brother, your children. That's difficult. And we all have to confront that at some point in our lives, obviously, or else we're, what are you, a construct? You're not a person. But I think the lesson here is that maybe you do come into, and I think this is the lesson that you need to take away from John is that don't do what John did. Don't pretend that you can live in this perfect world. You did come into this girl, this world with good intentions, with a good hook, but at some point, all good things come to an end, but that doesn't mean that they don't turn into something else. And like you said, if I believe in June, I believe June can actually move past this, become something, I hope, become something bigger than who she was with John Dory because of John Dory, because of the fact that she could have loved and had love for a br even if it was in a brief moment of time this is what we learned and loved about their love story from the beginning was that it happened she had to go away <laughs> but the fact that they found each other is a reminder like the idea that they had that thing to begin with was a reminder that hey goodness can exist in this world we make the goodness we did it we were reminded of it and she will always have that the john doe phenomenon doesn't have to die with john doe the john dory oh, phenomenon oh. does not have to die with john dory oh and it won't i think we're about to see june go super Saiyan. Well, be careful because when, when, even when Goku went Super Saiyan, I was a little worried about what would happen. <laughs> like, so. Oh, I'm very worried because she's got nothing to lose. First of all, what does that mean for what Morgan's trying to do? And some people might say, fuck Morgan and what he's trying to do. And right. it's not a bad argument, but at the same time, there's all these other people to consider. <laughs> it's like, I feel like Sharon D's going to be in the same spot where you are with Carol in some respects, where I'm not saying where Carol can't do wrong, but I don't care that she does. Yeah. <laughs> as long as she's doing the thing i mean i can admit when carol goes a little overboard but i don't love her any less for it right but there's a danger in that because then you just you do this because <laughs> there's other because there's yeah. other characters you love too right and it's like what if sure. god what if ah what if kelly died oh god <sighs> i didn't hate her <laughs> yeah you're like eh she's a backhand character anyway eh, eh, she's not part of team Background. family and then meanwhile <laughs> and meanwhile season 11 i'm like oh yeah she feels like team family right <laughs> 
But what she's, if Carol would kill her? Oh, she would never been part of the family. Who cares? She's been upgraded in the eyes of Dave. <laughs> yeah, just a, just a, a smidgen. You can't get used to to anybody surviving since season seven. <laughs> all I've said is just Carol. I mean, honestly, Carol's the only one that would kill me if she died. Anybody else, it would be a bummer, and I would probably cry. But I would eventually get over it. But no, if they took Carol away. I'd be crushing. You know, I'm going to admit something. In a way, for Fear of the Walking Dead, John is that way for me. Part of the reason why I liked season four and five was this idea of like, if we try really hard, we can make the impossible possible. Not the consequences or the death or the things, the people that we lose along the way, which I was expecting a little bit more of. But at the same time, if we plug away at this, we can make it work. And I, I was okay with that for a little while, right? Like it was like, I knew I was living on borrowed time with that. So I said, I'm going to lean into it. Beer bottle balloon in the sky. I'm going to lean into it. <laughs> Propellers that may or may not fit quite properly for this stupid airplane. I'm going to lean into it because I know at some point that shoe's going to drop. But this is quite the big shoe. <laughs> this is a mother of a shoe. And so when somebody like that, the living embodiment of goodness and hope, hope beyond hope that you can find that one true love in this world, or again, I don't believe in true love personally, but <laughs> the, the idea that you can find love and hold on to it, have that thing be the motivation for you to get up in the morning to, you know, put your socks on, take a shower, <laughs> brush your teeth, make a pot of coffee in the apocalypse. That's something. That's a lot. And, and having that gone for me as a, as a as a watcher of the show it's rough i'm gonna move on because there's that other part of me that <laughs> part of me that you guys hate so much that goes oh but yeah but what are this what is this show gonna look now like now like what do you do when you take away that goodness and hope what what happens what happens with these other characters what can they become now and it's kind of like what we said about morgan in some ways when we thought maybe he would have died i was like well i wouldn't have liked it i did ex i did express that at the time because i was trying very hard to be the person that says, and I committed to it. I committed to it. I said, I have to at least live in a world where I have to expect the fact that maybe Morgan will make it out of this alive. I have to be prepared for that fact because I need to also simultaneously be excited in a way, but what this does for the characters and the same happens here. The same applies here, but this is a little harder. I don't know why it hits harder. Cause he was so good. All we hear from Morgan is about the things he regrets. Like, Oh, I have things to make up for. And, and, and that's true, but and and Morgan is still a good person, but he's he's done some stuff. And in John's case, everything we've seen, besides the one incident that he tells us about from his past, which he himself sort of puts himself through the ringer for, so obviously he has a conscience. He's just so good. John's the person that everybody wants to be to do good things, to truly help people, and and do the right thing when it matters. And John was able right. to do that, you know. So to take that person away is scary because those kind of people are so important when you're trying to rebuild humanity. Humanity needs you. to be a part of that. Yeah. Right. They, they and that's tether what you. he has. I, I, I've said this like in my life, like I'm not a religious person, but I recognize the fact that, you know, sometimes I like to know if there's a rabbi nearby, that that person exists and that anchors me in some way to not necessarily an identity, but like, I know that if I have a problem, if I'm in a situation, I can maybe at least go to that person for advice. Or I know that that person exists for other people to get advice from that person. I like to live in a world where my, my parents live at that address because now I have an anchor, at least something, a feeling. It's comfort. 
there's some goodness. Yeah, yeah. there's a comfort in, in having that. I'm a shitty son. I don't talk to my parents all the time. I really don't. And I really should. But and this maybe I'm using it as a crutch that I take comfort in knowing where they live and that they <laughs> exist and they may, be, they may be alive. I haven't heard from them in a while. But anyway, let's not talk about that because I'm going to go down a different rabbit hole. But there's comfort in that. But it's the same. It's also the same reason why, even though in some ways we're never shocked by the fact that, oh, we find out a priest diddles a kid or something like that, it, it still makes us mad because there's a part of us that, that expects better from good people. Absolutely. Which brings me to the idea of going back to this a little bit because I mean, we need to hammer it down a little bit more that part of us does not want that selfish part of us does not want to live in a world where john is compromised not just doesn't know how to live in a world that makes us sad but a compromised john and i know sharon D will say at least he's alive and i i get that too and maybe he'll find his way out that sort of thing but this is what happened to negan i like pre and slightly post-apocalypse negan he's not complicated honestly even with the things that he did post-apocalypse it's like all bets are off okay your shit's forgiven you're with me here you made up for it but what he felt like he had to become to survive this world. Now, if John was put in the same position, would you want that for John to become maybe a monster? I mean, sometimes your best good guys become the worst monsters because they feel like they have to be this extra thing. You know, I'm not saying he'd become Negan. Like, no. don't get me wrong here. Like, I have my hands up. Okay, I'm putting my gun down. I think okay, we can talk. Look at what it did to John just having to kill Marcus. He had to do that. He had to. And he did yeah. it. But you can see it all over his face, what it the took weight. out of him to do that. And there is going to be so much more of that to come. One, I wouldn't want John to get used to that. I don't want, I wouldn't ever want him to feel like, yeah, I have to do this and I'm okay with it. The fact that it's been this long and, and you know, things are how they are and John still feels bad about killing this, this bad guy. There aren't people like that in the apocalypse anymore. Everybody just does what they have to and, and moves on. Well, yeah, and worse, like even Ian says to, to Lucille, I, I, I like using this analogy because, because he's kind of like the everyman, which is more idealistic but at the same time you can see a part of yourself in that because that that's kind of you <laughs> you know flawed but still wants to be good wants mm -hmm. to be good not a, not always good right but, you know, I cheated my wife here. Uh, I did this. I did that. I, I flirted with another chick. You know, that that person that is, like, not ideal, but is realistic. We see ourselves in them. We're like, okay, I want this person to live because then if he doesn't live, who's to say that I can live? Negan has, says it himself to Lucille. He says, I don't want to get used to it. Yeah. I don't want to get used to, to killing these things. I don't know what happens to me. I don't know what I become. Okay, everybody should get used to killing walkers, but not people. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I, know, I know what you're yeah. saying. But it's like that pandora's box of that sure. like, okay it's the what if i'm the kind of person who once i get a taste for this i become something else it's like the people who smoke marijuana for the first time and find out they have schizophrenia it's a real thing people that are more sensitive to having schizophrenia or have a family history or they don't really sure. know it but like you smoke weed it's game over for them sometimes for the first time it's like the worst lottery in the world to have but you know people are like that sometimes when they kill their first animal it's like oh i like this like sure. oh yeah. shit yeah even the people that know that they like this don't want to like this because they don't know and maybe this goes back to john slightly is that they know that it's hard for a person like that to live in a in this world where morale where the rules of the road say that's frowned upon and you know what in some ways i feel bad for sociopaths and people who are diagnosed psychopaths where the only way they can live in the, this world is to pretend literally are trained to pretend to be moral because there is a part of them that deep down that says 
says, I need to at least operate in this world. Otherwise, life is going to be hard for me. That's like the brass tacks. So going back to John, are we even going to like that, John? Will we hate the show because it made him have to do the thing that made him not become John anymore? And even if John somehow comes out of it, let's say, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with him just being alive and finding a different purpose like Dakota, let's say, just throwing it out there in a world that doesn't exist anymore. But... How hard would would it be for us to see that oh like that process? Because if it happens too quickly, it's not convincing enough. If it takes too long, we suffer because we have to put we have to see this. And I, and we did this with Morgan in a way, but Morgan they found a way to make him fucking crazy. And crazy sometimes is a good hack when you see good people do bad things or good people do violent things. Oh, he went crazy. He was alone, but John wasn't alone. John has people. Maybe that's the problem too. <laughs> it's like people around him make him sane, and so he has to face the reality of being in this world because look, look at what becky says quote unquote carol says what if your best friend realized you were broken after everyone else did this is something carol says to jerry sharon he says so maybe he'll become uber negan john no and, and again i don't think so but i i think it's definitely a selfish part of us i have we have to acknowledge this we have to acknowledge this we have to stare this in the face and say there is a part of us that has a hard time wanting to see a compromised john because then what does that mean with he and june what what does that mean? Because because then they go down different paths. June is used to this. June has been through the other side of this a long time ago, and she had to find a way to forgive herself. John has always tried to do this right thing. He's never been put in, in a position where he's made such a huge mistake. Well, no, actually, he has. I don't think he ever really forgave himself. He just gave him time, you know? And again, he, he doesn't forgive himself, and he never really does. I feel like all John did with his prior mistakes was hide away for a very long time until he just kind of accepted that that was just a part of his makeup. You call it a mistake because that's that's how John sees it. It was a mistake, but I mean, he did the right thing. Everyone called him a hero for it, but yeah, he. This, you're just saying in the past or the, the in jazz the past, in the in the past, he couldn't handle everybody calling him a hero because at the end of it, he still took a life. His own moral code says it, it's just too much for me. Yeah, God, you know what? And that that kind of even makes it so that I hate saying this. So don't. But, <laughs> no. But doesn't that also say, just as a character makeup, is that in some ways, John was always John, right? Yeah. I said this a bit at the beginning of the episode. He didn't change himself before to something. He didn't become something after. He became a version of himself, but of himself. A survivor, you know? yeah. I mean, but yeah, we all survive, but did sure, we... Right. Yeah, you know, like all these characters end up becoming something different than the, than the way they were beforehand. John was a lawman through and through. He was always a cowboy kind of person. He did this on the weekends. Now he's doing it full time. <laughs> <laughs> I embrace the, the like, but that's kind of lame. Like, I mean, it's, no, it's terrific, but I'm saying as, as a transformation or as a, it's like, okay, I just, instead of now I play music full time, <laughs> like now I'm a cowboy full time. Fine. Let's put that on the back burner. But just like his mistake in the past, John Dory didn't know which way was up before the apocalypse. And he didn't know which way was up after the apocalypse, after this thing, after what happened in Lawton. It's like, as if you take the, the whole of a person and like you said, all along, and it's, it, it's sometimes it's, it is best to simplify John, whether pre-apocalypse or post-apocalypse was just too good for this world. I mean, talk about all life is precious. It's no wonder why they're best friends, he and Morgan. Yeah. Like, he 
period couldn't live in this world. No, and if he did, it would compromise everything he is at his core. He would turn into the walking dead. I mean, there would he would just be a shell of a person doing what he had to do to survive. I mean, if he was here and having to kill people, because that's what's coming, it would empty him. He wouldn't be him. He lives with his mistake because that's who he is. He doesn't want to have to kill people if he doesn't have to. And even if he has to, it bothers him. I think that's what sets John apart from most people. Like, I guess I'd have to sit and think about each character, but for the most part, people on this show, they kill to survive because they have to, but they don't think twice about it. Mo most people, you know, they don't go home at night and go, oh, I feel so bad I had to kill whoever from because they were stealing my car, you know, whatever the circumstance. But now we're talking about a character who's kind of like an archetype. This is his reason for being as a person, is that this is his makeup. Even Nisa says to survive or keep June alive, he'd be empty. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be John anymore. Right. But it goes deeper than that. John would do anything for June. Let's just say that out loud. June makes it so that John doesn't have to worry about what he has to do to keep people alive. I think maybe a little that melts away. Let's give Sharon a little credit. I think yeah. June makes it so that John can exist in this world. Oh, yeah. Without yes. that worry. he. I think it all comes into focus. And, and I think the only way that John can exist, in this, and this is a problem, this is like the bubble boy phenomenon. If you have to live in a bubble of this relationship, this it's, in, it's a codependency. If you have to live in this bubble in order to know which way is up, it would be great if John could never leave June's side. But is that someone who can just exist in this world. You're just literally a time capsule. You're like a, you're a person in a spacesuit living out in space. And as soon as somebody pops that suit and the air starts escaping, you start depressurizing. That's it. It's over for you. It makes me angry in some ways because it's like, why didn't I see this sooner? Why did I even think for one second that somebody like that, somebody I would look up to, some, some person I thought maybe I could be, but I know I definitely can't be. But, but the fact that they exist gives me hope. The fact that they're out there and, and makes me think that I can be good and survive this world. That I can do anything. And then you wonder, like, oh shit, this is borrowed time shit. Makes me angry. Like, But also makes me, it makes a person like that human. You know what? Let's zero in on that. Because in one way, we see John as this paragon of something. But John, on the written page, if you really think about it, John is like a lot of people. John did his job. He tries to do what's right. He's like a lot of us. His story isn't really that special. It was made special in the apocalypse. It was made special to suit a narrative. And it makes me think that when you really think about it, like we said, John is the same before and after the apocalypse. He's just a guy that wanders in, stumbles in, says a couple of funny lines, wants to find love, sees love. It, love propels him to do something great. And it's not the apocalypse that, that, that sets John apart now. It's not like the usual TWD story. Oh, it lets you become something else. It's love. It's love that makes him transform a little bit, that makes him see things differently, that allows him for one second to not think about his mistakes. It's his love for June. And it's sad that that sort of thing is fleeting because for most people in this world, they become something else in order to be their best self or the, the self that they were meant to be. John was, <laughs> I guess, John was only that person with June, that special person. Otherwise, he's just like a dude that does gun tricks. He's, he's no one special. Like, again, I know I'm reducing him. This is the selfish part of me, blah, 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 and all that stuff. But if you think about it, well, okay, what does that mean for June? Well, June having had that experience, like imagine John was never in the picture. Think about it. She, first of all, she wouldn't be around people like Morgan in a weird way. But imagine having run into all these people, the vultures, even the, even the Clarks, without having met John, having to run in to, to Ginny eventually. She would have been a ranger. Think about it for just a second. When never got, got involved with the Clarks in this group, 
would never left the vultures when they eventually fell because the Dini would have eliminated them. <laughs> June would have been a completely different person had she not met John. Having met that love, they both added to each other's lives. Now, let's be honest. John had the ability to change June's life more than June could ever change John's life. And as long as June was in John's life, John was able to survive. But June could survive without John. And this is why I wasn't too worried when we were talking about the amount of time that June had been separated from John. I don't worry because it's June. June can handle it. June trusts John or, you know, should she have? I don't know. But that's neither here nor there. It's not in her power. You know, she doesn't know what's going on. But at the same time, she assumes the best of John. I think John has even in the past had said the same thing about June. June can handle herself, blah, 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 blah. But now we find out that John has trouble existing without June, let's say. Loses hope without June. We see this throughout two seasons. Yeah, and even Charity's saying it. She, she would have been dead by Alicia's hand if it wasn't for John. Like, being in her life. Oh, not yeah. Because John saved her or whatever. Like, necessarily. Well, literally, he did. <laughs> yeah, literally, he did. Right. <laughs> literally, he did. But at the same time, like, just the idea of him... First of all, she would never, she would never been part of the stadium, if you remember. Like, I think the only reason why she ends up going back and believing Madison is because she had this love, this sort of love thing. Trusting in some way people, again. Trusting herself to be around people. Like, let's face it. I mean, after having killed a bunch of people, wouldn't you want to stay away from them, necessarily? <sighs> would you want to be responsible again? Would you want to tread lightly on eggshells? Like, I mean, we all have to be a part of the world in some way. So... Sharon D, so I, I get it. So like one of the things she says earlier is that um the thing is it doesn't matter because he d decided that he wanted to live at the end. And yeah, that's true. And he saw a and found a way, another way to find a way to be in this world. It's never too late. That, and that's what kills me. That's what kills me. Let's just say that he found his way. Let's say he found another purpose. Even to commit to that purpose, again, like going back to what you said, he would have to figure out a way to find a way to kill and protect that purpose too. To be in a world where he knows which way is up, he didn't want to have to do the things that he had to do, I don't think. But I don't know. Is the, Would Dakota have been enough? Like I said, John would be more than ready to kill others that would threaten June or threaten their relationship or whatever it is. But could he have done the same for, for Dakota? I'm not sure. And I think that's it's almost cruel to even ask the question. We're never gonna know. That's one part of it. But even thinking about it, it's it's almost like, like I can't see it. I can see it with June. I can't see it with Dakota. We see it with Morgan, and yet he still feels the, the, the pain of it. I think if it came to June, though, I don't think he would. If it came to Dakota, he definitely wouldn't, now that he knows the future. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Nisa. Devil's advocate, sorry. He'd lose more hope knowing it was Dakota all along. He realizes he, st he still wants to live after he's shot and literally hits the bottom. Yeah, I and mean, we see him sink until he sees that photo of his father in him. But unfortunately, it was too late. I'm defending an argument, not Dakota. Fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> so Sharon, so yeah, to your point, yeah, he had a whole settlement of people he could care about, but not care enough to not feel the weight of killing for others. Except maybe when it comes to June. And June is his bubble. June is his tether to living, period. Thinking about this episode, I think John's number one mistake was leaving June, period. Diverging. <laughs> Diverging to the cabin instead of following June to the hospital. I think John was coming to the re realiz the sudden realization of which way was up and not liking that. He didn't feel right for this. I think he also saw that June was, I mean, keep in mind what happened in that episode, barrier next to Jasper's leg. He sees June motivated. She says, I have a purpose that is outside of you, which is not wrong. I think he's proud of June. I think he's happy that June has this purpose that doesn't have to necessarily involve him. And June has always been like that since they've got together. I think John sparked something in June that she could 
actually deserve happiness again, in spite of what happened, what shook out and losing her daughter and having her daughter having killed so many people and, and trying to excise herself from the world, kind of like he did. But John doesn't have that experience outside of her. John doesn't have that purpose outside of her. Every time he's even tried, like, remember with the Scrabble board with Charlie? That in some ways broke my heart, like, because he was trying so hard with Charlie and Charlie kept, like, pushing everybody away. Nothing against either, but, like, seeing John try to be this uncle figure and fail kind of broke my heart. It's like, does John get a break? <laughs> like, he's a badass and we like him and we appreciate his character, like, but in the real world, he doesn't, he doesn't do that great. He, he loses hope. He's out there with Dwight, sort of loses hope. Out there with Strand, sort of loses hope, and then he comes back to June and everything's okay again. And we see that over and over again. I know we're doing kind of like a, a post-mortem on this, but I think he deserves his own episode. I feel like he deserves his own breakdown. I almost don't even want to talk about the episode as much as I want to talk about him in the in the grand scheme. Sharon D says agreed to what I, I think of what I was saying, and he wouldn't tell her what, and he wouldn't tell her what was wrong. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, and I think that's the thing. Like, I think maybe there's a part of him that says it's time to move on. You know which way is up. Or even if you don't know which way is up, you're so smart and capable that you will figure it out. Whatever it is that we did together, I'm so glad that I could give you that. He didn't lose hope until he met her either. Well, I think John was just kind of existing until he met her. <laughs> life wasn't good. Life wasn't bad. It was just okay. <laughs> Well, I I remember the scene that Sharon is probably thinking of when June tells John how good he is for her and why they have to keep going and why they have to help people. And she tells John, you made me believe, and now you have to make other people believe too. I think I think we all kind of agree. When John's away from June, John's, after what happened to Lawton, it's it's worse. It would have been fine had he had they never met Jenny, had he never known such corruption could exist. This is like the, again, this is the meet John Doe effect. You come across a D.B. Norton like Jenny and knowing that you can corrupt things and then meeting an equally corrupt corrupting force in Dakota. You know, two halves of a whole in some senses. And, and in some senses, I think Ginny is the better of the half. You know, and it's weird. Ginny covers for Dakota's ills, but the, Dakota has ills because Ginny builds a world in which it's like almost like the saviors, where there's no consequences, where the, the lieutenants do whatever they want. They kick cans of shit and make people pick it up again, <laughs> burn the feces out there and the, the, the planters peanuts feces out in the field. I, I don't know how to feel about these two. Like, because in a way, I, sometimes I, I look at these two people and like what they feel like they have to do in order to recreate civilization. And I, I think to myself, if only this world, we could have found a way to to make this world a bit, little bit more forgiving because people are kind of weird. People will, people want, when they see somebody else's money and a bunch of it gets dumped on the street, they'll just take some for themselves. Maybe they won't take all of it, but they'll take some and it's not theirs. If people, if you let people be whatever they want to be and there's no consequences, they'll be it. And it hurts to think that. And John wouldn't be that. But imagine you're living in a world where there's thousand dollars, like thousands of dollars of bills wafting down the streets. That's not yours and everybody there's no consequences to picking it up and you know that shit's not yours you know it belongs to somebody else but you pick it up i mean first of all the money has no value anymore right mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like do you do you do the thing there's no consequences to it like it's already in the streets the feathers are in the wind you the thing has been said you know that the, the, mm -hmm. the little allegory about the pillow mm -hmm. and tearing the feathers in the middle square mm -hmm. it's out there the apocalypse is out there you can do whatever you want now it's on you to really there's no god <laughs> No, there's no, no lightning bolt from the sky is going to strike you. And John can't live in that world. John needs to live in a world that where he knows which, which way is up. To have to adapt to that is, it wouldn't make him John anymore, I think. I would have loved for it to be the case that Dakota, that he made Dakota his, his, his ward. This is going to be a tough pill, pill to swallow because the backlash in this season is definitely going to come in the form of the writers trying to find a way to make Dakota a sympathetic character. It's, 
I feel like I have to I, I have to point out the what's gonna be eventually the obvious. Now, if they can do it and get us to believe it somehow, first of all, bravo, because you basically turned made it so that you've turned everybody that currently hates Dakota, not Zoe, mm-hmm. Coletti, Dakota, you've turned them around. If you can do that, whew, more power to you. I mean, if you can do that and make us convince us that there is some other element that oh, congratulations, but as I see it right now, if you can't do it, you're taking a huge gamble my friend for all the shit they took in the last two seasons and i feel like this is what it's going to lead up to i don't see them pulling it off making dakota sympathetic no to like pull a charlie with her no i don't see that happening it's kind of like you said there is a part of me that that struggles with that character because because again like it's all she ever knew and you see that she is exhibiting a lot of emotion right it's just god it's coming off of her i get it dakota i get it but it's not okay i don't know who i feel worse for in in some ways let's talk about more for a second after all this i lose people i lose myself stuff and have to come back from the brink so many times the difference between morgan and june i know june is going to be okay let's just can we say that yes Uh, do you agree with that i do yep i don't know that morgan's going to be okay yeah i i would be more worried for morgan right now than i am june june's strong she she will get through this she's always been strong but morgan he loses people he loses himself i mean this is his best friend sharon and i were talking about how do we get rid of dakota what is an okay way to kill a kid basically i mean right she's a child. that's what i'm trying to say yeah and my theory is charlie a kid killing another kid oh like carl i like it i mean i don't like again <laughs> but i think it would be we... it would be acceptable i don't think there would be a whole lot of backlash i'm thinking like audience wise like what could the audience handle seeing on screen i think a child killing another child would be <laughs> easy to swallow rather than june taking out dakota or or morgan taking out dakota it's like when you said negan should have lucille lucille yeah like it's like eh, i don't know which is why they didn't do that (laughs) but you're on to something because now now we can swallow that pill a little easier Mm -hmm. and what's more is and i don't like this but i can see her finding a way through it charlie as a result of having to do that because that's a big swing for charlie yes yes, you killed nick you were just a kid though you didn't know any better this would be like there would be more thought behind this yeah but i think it would i think there is maybe a part of it that might stay with her might change her might make her become something else too she is still a kid she's younger than zoe coletti Mm -hmm. uh, alexis nicenson Mm -hmm. and it's funny and it's just a kind of side tangent on this a little bit but like i haven't checked on the poll since i put it up it is four to one of of people voting that negan should have lucille lucille <gasps> by the way i put i put hey! that poll up in the stories i didn't even see that <laughs> how did i miss that? i didn't expect that i really didn't expect that so i'm not alone oh i love it people are more macabre than i would have thought <gasps> oh my people charity's like giving you the hail mary she's like oh yeah and see becky also i like your style charity says i want june to make virginia kill dakota yeah then virginia has to live with it like john had to live with janice it's poor yeah that's and and i think that I, would that would be easy like to swallow thing, too though. think about what john meant to charlie i mean john and charlie had a lot of nice moments and so or tried they, i felt like there were like a lot of well i mean they lived in the bus together for a period of time a shitty period of time for them but still I'm not talking but still, i know like but they were still I, I, with them I, you know what it's the thing is, is that i wanted to see something come out of that and i don't think anything did and that broke that broke my heart a little bit i kind of wanted to see this kind of like replacement parent thing with john and june mm-hmm. and it never never came to be and sharon D's pointing out the hat parallel where charlie hands john his hat and dakota hands john his hat but the inverted right so just for the for the audio listeners 
when Alicia and Charlie rescue Strand and John Dory, Charlie fishes John's hat out from the water and hands it to him hat side up, like where it's normal side up. Mm -hmm. In the aftermath of Dakota ramming, first of all, killing the walkers off the bridge in this episode in 608, they're picking up the pieces to trying to find the clips. In the process, Dakota finds John's hat, hands it to him upside down. So again, there there are intentional parallels between Dakota and Charlie. Dakota is kind of like Charlie 2.0 in some ways, but in obviously in a twisted, inverted, upside down world, you know, where the hat is literally upside down. Well, and as you pointed out earlier, Dakota is older than Charlie and she has a little bit more experience. Yeah. 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 But she does have a little more experience and Charlie was 11 years old when she shot Nick. And I don't know many 11 year olds that think clearly about anything speaking from personal (laughs) experience. Yeah, exactly. So an 11 year old's brain processing information versus let's say 17, 16, 17, 18 year old processing information, totally different. Look at Carl killing the other kid. Mm-hmm. Just, just because, I mean, literally just because he thought he could be a threat. Right. Eventually. And he was about the same age. Right. I think so. That, you know, he aged rapidly mm-hmm. uh, into years. And, <laughs> and that's still. the point. That's the point where Carl could have turned into someone like Dakota if not kept on the right path. If not for team family, right? And see, exactly. that's, that's what, yeah. that's why the parallel exists because imagine if Charlie hadn't found our group, hadn't forgiven her, hadn't given her inherent value. The question really is, is it too late for... I hate having to ask the question because it really sucks. Okay, I'm going to bring this back because we did talk about Attack on Titan uh, before the show, in the, pre- in the pre-show. And what am I talking about? I'll say it at the end. <laughs> you can get the pre-show at ko-fi.com slash dead. I talked about Attack on Titan. What, what what I really like about it is how thematically it's it's a lot like The Walking Dead in that, you know, be prepared to lose people you love, be be prepared to get emotional attachments to to people, to live in a universe where it feels like everything is, is pitted against them. We're getting to this part in the story, though, where we're shown a different point of view from a whole dif- different area, let's say. And then you find out that that whole different area is against the people that we've been looking at the whole time. And what you're supposed to understand and feel something is that we're all trying to... <laughs> beat the bad guy. We're all trying to survive in, in this world. We're all literally the same. You know, why are we so against each other at the same time? And then I, I see to myself like, it's like the Negan parallel. Had we followed the story from Negan's point of view, we, we would have been rooting for him. But what is that supposed to teach us? It's supposed to teach us that, that inherently even in a world with consequence, every everybody has inherent value. As much as I hate the sin, don't hate the sinner kind of thing, there's a part of me that's always going to tug at me. And maybe, and this is by design. This is how it's written. This is, I, I know that's how it's written. And I know, I know, and I don't expect, I really don't expect everybody to be in my camp. I don't. And if you're not, I'll hang on to your coattails because I will, I'll be like, I'll just borrow your energy because I don't have it. But there's that little part of me that's like, had Dakota been around other people in a different situation, been exposed to a world where life had meaning. She would have lived in that world. You know, she would have lived accordingly, but she wasn't. And she's still young. Everyone is a product of their environment. We are who we are because of things that we've gone through, lessons we've learned, people that have come into our lives, people that have hurt us, people we've hurt. Everything that makes us who we are is our experiences. And if all Dakota's experiences have been killing people to get what you want. To take what's yours. Yeah. yeah. to, To get your freedom. And that's been normal for her for who knows how long. She tells Ed that Virginia killed her parents, but first of all, first of all, we don't even know if that's true. Second of all, we don't know when that happened. We don't know if that was pre-apocalypse, post-apocalypse, how long have, have Ginny and Dakota been without their parents? Has Ginny been raising Dakota since 
she was like a teeny little kid we have no idea <laughs> is jenny dakota's dakota's mom no. yeah. <laughs> like I, a, I like mean, an early teenage pregnancy kind of thing like where you don't where you tell them oh that's your that's your grandparents it's your no, sister no, it's your, yeah it's your sister right it's your parents yeah no yeah. Uh, i'm your i'm your mother right raise her daughter <laughs> as her sister i mean sure why why the hell not at this point but dakota had a really shitty environment becky even points it out like look at what, what lydia went through when lydia saw how it could be she held on to it for dear life mm -hmm. proclaimed it as hers and lived tried to live accordingly even though it was very difficult for her and it would be difficult for dakota too and sharon he was saying like you know how do you how do you fix that and she says you don't look at the flowers bitch <laughs> 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 even nisa says you know like to becky's point you know she had issues uh, becky says she had issues but she was good at heart uh and i think like look at what dakota did to patch up morgan and maybe again this is out of self-interest dakota needs morgan alive just long enough to kill Jenny. She makes that very clear by the end of this episode. But what's the end goal? Is the end goal for ultimate freedom? And what's that freedom without... Because she saw the videos. Like-minded people to want to live in that world. In order to get that world, which is anti the message that Morgan said before he was about to expire, to just live. Just live doesn't mean kill everything that you see in order to gain your freedom. That's not what the group was about. To the point where God, Dakota, do you not even realize that the reason why they met in the Gulch was not to have this Mexican standoff. Right. where they both end each other's lives winner take all morgan said enough we're not going to survive another day if we don't make a deal with jenny the whole point was to just live yeah it would have been great had your sister not been a complete asshole and dominated the field and had the run of the game just like john had to realize that much later on as much as he tried to adapt to maybe be a good force in this world in this type of universe let's say where jenny controls the dials jenny controls the physics controls what happens manipulates nature it's not to be and and that's the thing maybe that's dakota's raison d'etre dakota really gets it and in order to make it stop she feels like she has to kill jenny is a sarcasm sharon D? but obviously dakota felt some kind of value in life to save morgan i think it's self-interest though that's that's the killer. right that's why that's, the... I, that's why i'm wondering if sharon D's being sarcastic <laughs> okay yeah think okay that's what i thought <laughs> becky she says damn it i can't believe i'm softening a little and tiny a even a tiny bit on dakota uh, i'm not convinced that dakota saved morgan I mean, I was also had that cognitive dissonance, and I'm going to admit it right now. I had that. My first reaction was, "It's definitely not fucking Dakota." But watching it, is, it a though. second time, I I have no choice but to think that she says things exactly in the letter that she had no exposure to. She says she paints the scene exactly. Yep. Nobody was there. She must have been the only one that was there. If not another person, maybe it was maybe it was Madison. Oh yeah, Dakota and Madison are in on it. Fuck that. It's Dakota, and I have to admit that to myself. As much as I want to be devil advocate and think of another way and i'm not that stubborn guys i'm not that stubborn i know when to wave the white flag <laughs> you know sir so i surrender i surrender i surrender I, it's not it has to be dakota it's really shitty that they didn't show an inkling an inkling on dakota's face when morgan says i was saved by somebody yo somebody really great probably roll my fucking eyes I'm mad about this. It's not you. <laughs> it's it's not even mad about being wrong. It's, that's not it at all. I'm having, I'm admitting a weakness. I have cognitive dissonance about this. That's all this is. But it makes sense. She saw the videos just like Isaac did, but Isaac got mm -hmm. a completely different message out of it. What Isaac got out of those videos was like, it doesn't have to be like this. And the problem is that Isaac ha knows what the world was like before the apocalypse. Can we say the same thing about it, about Dakota? We, I don't think we can fairly say that. Whatever she does remember for the world, from the world is from a, a small child's perspective.
captive, not not a grown up. Which is maybe why when she says Jenny killed my parents, it, first of all, it could mean anything from right. a child's uh, point of view. Could be a how lie that too. looked like, right? Are we going to really? I mean, look as much as you believe Silas when he tells you something, and you're going to try. <laughs> I mean, you're going to also have that like hysterical kid factor into play. You're going to take a measured approach. It's like, well, maybe he doesn't have all the facts. You got to take everything into account. Like, there were there were a lot of things I did want to point out though. There's a cleverness in starting just after the the db norton meet john doe scene guns shooting at the walkers the second scene starts off with just starts out from under the water with the canoe and then basically the episode basically ends with with him falling into the water so like there's this weird like if you watch the episode backwards there's like a little bookend to this mm -hmm. whole story and there's there's just something beautiful about it at the same time too being birthed and then being put to rest this this whole episode evokes feelings of like sometimes it's just the way this has got to be sometimes it doesn't have to mean anything and I, I don't like that it does go back to what I said about parents you know losing someone it doesn't have to mean something it, it, it's just the way sometimes it has to be and it's sad but it can also be beautiful the only other thing I noticed and I hope it's foreshadowing but I guess we'll find out is how much John talked about his dad this episode and how much his dad was brought up and really drilling down on John's dad like don't forget about this guy so that just leads me to believe that we're gonna hear more about him maybe even meet him see him yeah. i thought the same thing i have these inklings of, of, of an elder john an yeah. elder john dory by <gasps> what the way, if john cause... dory comes back and like and, and they like age him oh. <laughs> <laughs> i oh don't know God. about that <laughs> But but the, I, I get excited about the idea of like first of all because we find out that the the guns were originally his dad's and his mm -hmm. dad's initials were JD and I'm thinking Dakota asks him he's like you know you're kind of yeah. like your dad in that respect you know what what's the deal aren't you punishing yourself really you're you're gonna repeat history here buddy this is what kills me like on top of the inherent value that Dakota must have that we must grant to Dakota I mean or not whatever do whatever you want again I'm not gonna judge you believe me I am not gonna judge you you don't have to be in the position that I'm in. You don't have to, I can do it for you. And then you can say, fuck this. And I'll be like, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Whatever you feel, you're right anyway. But then I, I go back to the Dakota that I saw throughout the episode. And there, again, there were a couple moments where I said, when both Morgan and Dakota were going, shoot the motherfucker. He's right there. Marcus is right there. Just kill him. And John's like, I don't have to. But then other than that, Dakota is just like nothing but sweet to him saying, please and thank you. And mm. John in acquiescing to like certain kindnesses that John is affording her. And I don't like how she's, she's poking and prodding at, at him when she discovers the, the, the piece of knife handle and he wants to dismiss it and she just wants to talk about it because she's asking questions she knows the answers to that's what pissed me off but what does that also mean she wants to know if he figured it out yeah i think so too i think sometimes when you kill there's also that part of you that kind of wants to be found out too that depends on your soul people who feel remorse want to get caught people who feel nothing don't care yeah nisa says, says bundy, bundy was, was sweet, sweet too, too. <laughs> Shit. There's no, there's no harm in me being wrong if I say what we posited maybe at the beginning of the season was that Dakota is a psychopath. As things go and as a podcast go, like I, we will throw it all out there. We'll see what <laughs> sticks. Because I know, the listen, the easy position to take is that she's a psycho. But that that forces me into a position where I have to kind of go, okay, let's let me dig around that. And if all roads point to psychopath and there's nothing to do about it and there's no redemption and there's no inherent value and everything she does is evil. But there's some things in this episode that were like, she's genuinely trying to 
help, like in some ways, help John get unstuck, like in ways that Morgan can't reach him. Like, aren't you doing the same thing your dad did? Doesn't that seem stupid? I don't think she does that to poke the bear. I think she does that to genuinely unstick him. I saw her more trying to figure out if he was going to come with them or not. I didn't, I didn't see genuine concern from her. Mm. And Becky's rightfully pointing out something I said earlier was that, yeah, it's everything that she's been doing thus far is that it's out of self-interest. Exactly. So she's asking these questions to find out if John's going to follow them and if he's going to continue investigating Cameron's death or thinking about it or whatever. And Sharon is even saying, here, John, have some death. Yeah. (laughs) Again, you're putting people in a position where they have to kill a kid. And that's not an easy one to take. Again, there's the Charlie, there's the forcing Ginny to June manipulating. And again, how do you manipulate? How do you manipulate a sister to kill another sister? Like that's that's kind of diabolical. June could do it. Do you know what I mean? Like how does June convince Ginny to kill her own sister? That's kind of diabolical. Well, what does it take for a person to have to do that? I don't know. Do you we, think we, Ginny we, would sacrifice herself for Dakota? Yes, I can say that. Really? Yeah, because I think Ginny has the luxury of knowing what it could, what life was like mm. beforehand. Luxury yeah, or you I know, guess she was ready uh, Achilles to die. heel. Yeah, she was ready to die when she thought she was gone earlier so but that's not really the same as a sacrifice but her plea to june was please look after dakota you you specifically you have what it takes to take care take take care of dakota yeah i i I honestly can't stand dakota right now i don't know anybody who can but i would really like some more information about dakota and jenny's history their relationship is weird and i really want to know why well you know it kind of brings us back to the infinity symbol in a weird way the kind of the yin and the yang, the snake that eats itself, the Ouroboros. No, I mean, I right? really want to know specifically what happened to them. Like, I need uh, to see, like, I want, why is Dakota so adamant about getting away from her sister and all Dakota or all Ginny wants to do is protect her? Like, something happened to make this disconnect happen. It's got to be more than just a rebellious teenager. I'm not buying no, that. No, I agree. I agree. There's got to be more to it. There's there's a lot more than product of the environment. There has to be something that, mo- right, like you said, there has yeah. to be something that motivates her to go this far. Yes. Now you can argue that it, it could be a collection of things that happen over time that eventually reach a breaking point. Totally understandable. But we have to know it. We have to see it. We have to see what right. makes her get this far because it's hard for us. Their relationship is not making sense to me right now. I want to say something that Sharon D reversed somewhat of a position on because because oh. I noticed that just now. When Ginny and June were in that moment where June was kind of ready to kind of let her die. In oh, turn. oh, in the in the thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, in the in the thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Sharon is saying that Ginny was a manipulator. June. I don't think so. Manipulating her into saving her, saving her. Maybe this is Sharon D taking Jenny ain't no dummy to another level and saying she knows that that's the thing that would get June to soften on her. Like, sure. oh, she's not a complete monster, right? If I show that's compassion possible. right now, if I show compassion, if I break down my walls and and be a human for a second, June might not kill me. June might save me. I'm buying that. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Look at Jenny in John's cabin, just like this halfway taking then, the beating, and then yeah, June is going. Just Get, 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 give me that walkie. It's a thing. Get, get some help for John. Like, and so it's just like it's kind of affirming my assumption that Ginny's kind of given some power to June, given some authority to June. Would anybody get away with that without dying? No. Mm-hmm. But I'm not willing to rule out what Charity says, though. With all these forces, though, I don't. I feel like Ginny's gonna have. But maybe even Ginny, if we grant it to Ginny, we have to grant it to Dakota. Maybe Ginny has a some sort of reasoning for all this or she's going to become someone that we with whom we must rely if 
what we're hearing is true is that the end of the beginning people are probably the most tremendous force is what they're saying in the walking dead universe you're, and that's a bold statement to make mm. when you're talking about the crm as right. well i'll believe it when i see it <laughs> i believe when i see it too saying things like that doesn't really get me excited i'd be like okay cool bring it on let's even assume that they're not that's not true it's true enough to have to feel like you have to be hyperbolically speaking to say well how do you defeat that force maybe it takes three groups maybe it takes mm. Ginny's rejects Okay. Maybe it takes our guys and maybe it takes Lawton, Lawton. all together working mm -hmm. at once, which sure. is something that I said at the top, you know, and I, I kind of wanted to touch on something that Becky said. It was like, um, is it possible that Virgin Virginia is Dakota's mom? Yes, we've said that. <laughs> I've, sa I've said that. Possible, sure. I'm not committing to the series. Right. I have to throw it out there. Let's think. Is it possible for Colby Minifee to be Zoe Coletti's mom? <laughs> no. I don't think. No, no. No. I figured out how young <laughs> Colby Minifee is, and she would have to be... 10 years 11? old. She would have been 10 or... Yeah. yeah 10, 10, 10 years old. 10 years old. Yeah. Sharon D said it would be easier to take out that group if they had a sharpshooter. Oh. 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 It's funny. I said Morgan ran away from people. Like when Morgan was talking about the man who ran away from Alexandria on foot to Texas. Yeah. And I was like, Morgan, but see, the difference is Morgan ran away from people. All John wants to do is be free from the past oh. or slash the past. I'm going to make sure Andy cry for a second here. When Morgan was giving his speech to John, it made me think of you, Sharon D, because of everything you've said this week about oh, mm, trying to make you cry, not me, about how the show's given you the fandom and this family and john and jude did that and morgan is screaming at john you gave me this family man what if morgan was sharon D this whole time sharon D is what if sharon D's madison <laughs> a equals b equals c motherfucker <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing the signs no I, but what's the takeaway you still have the family yeah family's still there the john doe or the john dory movement is still alive as long as we keep it alive as long as we don't lose that lesson or lose the core of the man it doesn't have to die that's why the 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 tale of meet john doe and meet john dory it, it's it's inextricably inextricably linked it's all the way till the end it doesn't have to die with you this is like that rick flashback all over again with sasha williams it's like you know sometimes we do so that our family can move forward you know our, our people can move that one extra inch towards something where they don't have to live like this anymore you know like that we are the walking dead thing i'm looking at my notes i'm like dakota sees that all life is meaningless self-interest is all that matters no life is inherent no life is inherently precious not you know? even her it's own that's very sad this is why it's so complicated because and this is why i always thought like it would be so much easier if we were right about the theory where dakota's working for jenny all along we could just blame jenny <sighs> Yeah. Had we followed Dakota throughout the story, we'd be on her side. Well, I mean, anybody. You st and whoever you start your story with is 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 your hero. And whatever they have to do, you justify it by any means. Maybe not right away, just eventually. I would like clarification about what the hell's going on what between Ginny yeah. and, and Dakota. Like, make sense of this for me, please, somebody. Maybe it never hit this hard, but Ooh. we've been here before. Glenn hit me way harder than this. We had some issues just after the key. Like, we had to form the therapy circle. If we were doing this when glenn died i wouldn't even be making words right now i cried for nine weeks when glenn died i cried at work yep. i went to work and cried all day 
let's take that and run a little bit. Okay. I mean, but with regards to this episode, mm-hmm. like, I feel like the fandom, no matter where you stood, oh, season two, one through three, season four through five, season six is the greatest. Season six is okay, but I'll hang around. Mm-hmm. seems like everybody kind of rallied around John. Yeah. Everybody was affected by this. I don't know anybody didn't who didn't who you like John Dory. There's something sweet about that, especially now. Which is why it made sense that the show wrote him off. Like he, you know, and Sharon and I said this too, losing John is going to have the biggest impact for every single character on the show. For every single person that watches the show. <laughs> exactly. You know, everyone's going to want justice for John. Oh, there's another hashtag for you. Justice, justice for John. For John. <laughs> it's kind of weird, right? Again, we're canonizing for selfish reasons, blah, 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 that whole thing. But like, I'm just reflecting on this, this point that it affected everybody. Like everybody that loves, loves or had loved this show and just kind of hung on 90% of people. Let's not be, let's not be oh, like, ah, oh, everybody, <laughs> my opinion is the best. Like, no, like, not everybody like John. Most people did. It seemed like almost everybody did. And it affected yeah. them in some way. And I, I think that's, where do you get a moment like that? Where do you get like a, I can't remember the last time we all, ra- as a people on this planet or in large, rallied behind a, an ideal. It is a niche. It, 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 I don't know how many Fear the Walking Dead watchers there are in the world, downloaded, legal, otherwise. But I want to savor that because in one character's death, we all kind of felt something. It, look, not everybody liked Glenn either. That's a true thing. Like, not everybody mm-hmm. did. But nobody hated him, I don't think. Maybe some people hated him. And this is, like, why people just left watching they couldn't watch the show any longer to affect them to the point where they but here's the difference with with john dory i feel like for the people who say nobody dies on the show now they're going to watch it more for the people who mm. like john dory maybe in passing as a passing character like yeah it's easy to like something when there's not again rick with no baggage john john dory's not an incredibly complicated character to not want to rally behind he's designed that way he's the ideal in all of us it just seems to hit so it doesn't make them want to stop watching Maybe there's a part of that with Charity, but she's not going to stop watching. No, she's going to watch. She's oh. going to watch in his name. We've had to say this when Rick left the show. We had to do this when we had to figure out, not figure out, but like accept the fact that maybe, just maybe, Rick might leave the show or die on the show because he died in the comics. <laughs> but like. We had to decide as, as, as a fandom, will we keep watching? And like, yeah, I'm here for it. I want to see what happens when you remove some such a pivotal character from the show. It's just such a rare White Elk, Meteor, Halley's Comet sort of thing to feel an entire fandom in some form or fashion acknowledge and feel upset about this fact. And it makes them not want to flee the show, but flock towards it, to rally around it, to see what happens next. You know what? Not everybody liked Madison. Sorry, it's true. <laughs> Not everybody liked Madison. I mean, that was the show, though. The show was purposefully in the middle, in the center, everywhere. I like Madison. You didn't. I saw the value the character had. You were like, fuck that. She's a crazy bitch. I'm like, I get it. And people felt different things about Nick. Most people liked Nick, I'm, I'm sure. Even I was a little annoyed with Nick at times. I was so annoyed. And even if you like Alicia now, I don't think anybody could say with confidence, even you, there were times when you looked at Alicia and you're like, what the fuck, girl? Can yeah. you agree with me? Okay, even though you're probably in her corner all along, just like I was, times where you're like, what is this bullshit, Alicia? Because yeah. she wasn't her, she wasn't adapting to her mom or she, she was being sheltered by her or like she knew she could mm-hmm. always take care of herself. She just needed to find out who she wanted to be in this world. But there were times where I was just like, I, I was not an Alicia fan at all. I have no feelings about her. The, and that's kind of like the worst thing to be towards a character. When you actually don't it's have nothing. feelings about a character, Ooh. you're like, I don't care if you live or die. I don't hate you. I just like, you know, I don't see, you're not interesting to me. When you hate somebody, you're like, okay, I 
I have a motivation to like not want you to be here anymore. But like Alicia's like, I don't know who you are. Who are you again? Who are you? But that's my point. John wasn't that. Everybody in some form or fashion was like, oh yeah, that guy's kind of cool. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Nobody had feelings about it. But then, you know, you have this other feeling, which is like, I see myself in John. I see the person I want to be, or I wish I was that confident, or I wish I was just maintain that same person I was before and after, but like a cooler version of me, <laughs> so, like with guns toting. <laughs> so Becky says, I gave up on Fear the Walking Dead after the first year. I only binged when Morgan crossed over because he's one of my faves and mine too. And Lenny is, pre- uh, is precious. Personally, I think what makes season six so appreciated is watching one through three and four and four and five. If you want to appreciate six, season six even better, watch all the seasons. There's something about watching Alicia finally having a drive or a purpose or being closer to the person that she was meant to be in the apocalypse. Yeah. I wasn't sure if there's a reason to go back and watch seasons one through three, it's to watch Alicia's growth and know her relationship with her brother. Yeah. That's important to who she is. Yeah. Because the point of the show in the beginning was to kind of see a kind of broken family in the it was about the yeah. family yes. the apocalypse and seeing that family be what it was meant to be in the apocalypse, but the family, right. not just one person. And knowing Alicia's position in that family, it shows you how far she's come. To see where she was and how she was treated in her family to, to who she is now is, that's worth watching seasons one through three. Especially when you don't, re- when you see that like Alicia doesn't become really anybody worth, I mean, this is just my opinion, but like anybody worth really focusing on until like the second half of season three, where like, I see what the person that you could be. Yes. I finally have a grasp on what that, okay, you're losing yourself with this guy. Okay. But now when this guy's not in the picture and he's doing something, some other thing, oh, you're taking care of these people. Okay. okay, I see. You can be a leader. Maybe. Yeah. I see what you're willing to do. Season four, you get to get a handle on Alicia losing herself like Morgan. Okay. I see some dimension there. I see some, I, when I see you in somebody else, I can see you. And now Alicia taking care of Charlie. I, I see that. I like that. There's a little bit of Madison in there. Okay. Okay. I can bounce it. Now there's something cool about seeing an evolution of somebody over a long period of time and it's okay i'm here for it i feel like the show gave her breathing room to be able to do that like a normal person not like these rapidly super saiyan three motherfuckers constantly (laughs) evolving and changing because they're such chaotic individual like strand for like the most chaotic individual madison chaotic force of nature so sharon says i i started watching because jenna replied to me on a post i watched laura first and i was hooked literally jenna was her intro to the walking dead universe Mm -hmm. and it just sprouted from there and then you met us Fear to me in the first, so Becky says, Fear to me in the first two and a half seasons was like the first six episodes of World Beyond. I wasn't invested until the twist started happening. Okay, so let's talk about the song. So we did sort of talk about it in the beginning, but the, by the end of it, like John falls in the water, the song comes on, feels like it's not too late when he sees a picture of his dad. Something that they were talking about a lot in this episode, something that maybe Dakota said, maybe hit him. Maybe at the last minute he felt like it was not too late. And maybe even the fact that his life was threatened at the last moment made him just snapped him back into focus and said, Oh, wait, this is my life she's trying to take. This is what I was trying to do maybe there is more life left to live like john is like a cautionary tale in some ways it's okay if we stumble like it's okay if we make mistakes it's okay we can come back i mean we saw that in morgan and and again i really want to make this clear there have been moments in my life where i've just tried to make something work and that was not always the right call i remember this viscerally sometimes you want something so badly that you move 
heaven and earth to, to get to it. And then when you finally get it, you realize it's not always on you to do the work. Meaning, so it is with John, is that you can want to commit to a thing for so, for so many reasons, and then you make that mistake. And then you move heaven and earth to try to make up for that mistake. And then you stumble, and then you fall, and then you make mistakes, and you find your footing, and then you try to figure out who you are after the whole thing. This is something we said about Negan. It's like, who are you after you try to do this thing? And when you make a mess of trying to trying to get to this one thing. And and John doesn't know the who he is anymore. He went from knowing it not being a question, the kind of person he is. I'm a good person that made a mistake, so I had to go away. Yeah. Uncomplicated. But then it got complicated. I don't think he liked the person he thought he had to be in order to survive this world. It would mean that he wouldn't be that person anymore. I kind of right here, uh, the second that John has his life threatened, and the same second he says, it's not what I want. Like he says to Dakota, it's not what you want, it's not what I want. When the second he says, it's not what I want, he's admitting to himself, it's not what I want. I don't think he ever really wanted to have to kill himself. Just doesn't know the kind of person he could be in this world. He was reaching out to Dakota to tell her that it's not too late. It's never too late. He tried to prove that to her, but she wouldn't let him be right. This is the par this is a paradox. Because if John is right, then what I'm doing is wrong. So she had to make mm -hmm. sure he was wrong. That it is, sometimes things are meaningless. She says it doesn't always have to mean anything. Because if it does, then what she's doing is terrible. I get her point of view. Because it's hard for her too. It's hard for her to change what she knows is up, which weighs up, in order to fit John's worldview of what it is. How do you expect, like, first of all, she's a kid with limited capacity, limited life experience. This is the problem I've been having was that last scene. It's literally these two ideologies trying to interface with one another. And it's it's this complete reversal of what how they understand the world. You know, Dakota sees the world from her point of view the way it is. John knows the world that was before, knows what life could be after, because they've done it, uh, but is having a hard time dealing with the world with which he's presented. For him to be right means Dakota did a wrong thing. And even him admitting that he wants to live is just kind of like, I don't want to live in a world without meaning. And so Dakota has to shoot him because the world has no meaning. It sucks. This is like unstoppable force meets immovable object. It's like a no-win situation. I guess if I count the parallel between John and Carol saying it's not too late, but I don't oh, remember. It was, it was Leia, Carol and, say it? Leia and Daryl. Yeah, Leia and Daryl says it's only late if you, it's only oh if you let it. Oh, oh yeah. It's about the world catching up to them. Dakota is the world having caught up with him. Dakota uh -huh. lives in that world. She doesn't know any other world. So it's a foregone conclusion for her. Oh, and she's hallucinating oh. Alpha. Okay. Oh, okay. Even farther back. Daryl has to remind her of that after, even after she has the hallucination. And who told Daryl? Daryl was told by Leah, who mm -hmm. was Carol in disguise. Just kidding. <laughs> it's that scene that kind of brings everything into focus for both John and Dakota. And Dakota is really back against the wall. It means everything she's that's led up to this moment, I wish she didn't have, she didn't feel like she had to do it. John puts his gun away, does, she lives in a world of kindness, he's willing to just say, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. Even throughout the episode, I was trying to gather up evidence that, that Dakota would have with which to dispose of John. And all I kept seeing in the face of the evidence that John was leaving behind, like, meaning, if he finds out the truth, is he going to expose me to Ginny? And every, every time he's confronted with this evidence, or every time he hears another nugget about John, I, I, I wrote down one thing, and then I'd write down another thing. I'd write down, okay, she knows now that he feels like shit because he can't solve this mystery. But at the same time, he drops it. He doesn't know how to live in this world. But I think at the last moment, Dakota is awfully scared in order for John to live in this world. And I think there's, it's more than just self-interest. I think it's more than just a world without meaning. It's also like for John in order to exist in this world, she feels at least, she feels, not us, 
not John, that John would have to rat out Dakota to Jenny or have to expose Jenny for the person she is or whatever it is to expose this conspiracy, expose the truth. Because I think Dakota sees the world in black and white. She says, I know John can't exist in this world without exposing me. I know John can't live in a world, his ideal world, where up is up and down is down without exposing me. And so there's no way he's going to let that go. So she has to put him away. It sucks for us. And it sucks for Dakota too, to have to do this to herself ultimately and find out that the world could be great. Because what it goes back to the thing that we said earlier, what do you do now that you've gotten everything you want? What do you do when you go through heaven, when you move heaven and earth to get this one thing? And then you have to kind of look back at the aftermath, look at the people you had to screw over, look at, at the lives you had to waste and people you had to, had to get thrown under the bus. What's left behind? What is the freedom worth if you don't have anybody else to share it with? That's like short-sighted thinking for you. That's kids for you. I'm sympathetic. I, I, it's hard. How do you, what are you going to beat a kid? That's not what we do. It's not what we do as a society. It's not, I don't know. <laughs> Yo, I'm I'm a murderer kid. Dakota. <laughs> like I I get the feeling. There's a part of me that's like, but what if it was a real kid? You know? That's what these characters based off of. <laughs> How do you feel? How do you do this? How do you handle it? The thing is you have to handle it in the moment. Otherwise you oh, have like, to give like yourself like Dakota. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Well, I'm saying, like, I'm thinking, like, from June's perspective, like, I would have to go find her and kill her immediately, right then and there, because the longer I think about it, the more likely I am to talk myself out of it. So basically, be like Dakota. Right then and be there. like a kid. <laughs> <sighs> What's goose, what good for the goose is good for the gander. Right. <laughs> Ugh. So basically, don't form a podcast around thinking about it. I understand. <laughs> See you later, folks. <laughs> podcast <laughs> over for good. <laughs> Charity's like, throw her off a bridge. <laughs> to Charity's point, quoting Morgan, it has to end somewhere. Oh, I thought you meant about eating children. <laughs> Yeah, about, I have to scroll yeah. down. I have to scroll down. I keep right. I keep missing stuff. That was me trying to save a segment. Okay, people, <laughs> I had to lean into the murdering of kids by saying to eat them. Was like, I have to say something completely ridiculous to sound, to quell the seriousness of the topic for oh some reason. Gosh. And then she also follows up by saying, fuck you, Morgan. It ends with Dakota dying, probably. <laughs> I, right. I, I added some, I salt and peppered Sharon D's words. I mean, um, what, what do you do, though? Do you imprison her? Let's start with that. There's like so much irony in that because you would cage her in the free society that she was trying mm -hmm. to reach. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's right. Weird. But she's Karma, in a literal bitch. cage. It's yeah. just in a literal cage instead of mm -hmm. the cage, the gilded cage of Lawton. <laughs> oh, you thought Lawton was bad. <laughs> Here's your cell. But you know what's funny about that? I think she'd be okay with that. It's like, at least I'm not in this. She'd be trying to get out of there too. I mean, I feel like she still had to have a certain amount of freedom in Lawton. And she was just a spoiled brat that wanted more. Wow, what a weird irony. I think Dakota is fighting to live in a world where there's consequence. She's fighting in a to reach a world where there's consequence. You're not going to like what you find if all the things that you had to do to get there have consequences. Whether it be jail or you find yourself... Again, she's probably going to get death by Walker. I mean, who I'm not, knows? I'm not sure Dakota is really aware of the idea of consequences. Because she's never had to face any. I think her sister think cleans right. everything up, you know. But then, but then you talk about okay. Think about all the the lofty things young people adhere to without our practical life experience. Like every kid wants, oh, let's have a fifty dollars. Why doesn't everybody have a fifty dollars minimum wage? Or why doesn't everybody right? Do you know what I mean? Like okay, why don't we? Does the government give everybody all the money? I'm like, that's not how money works. Wouldn't it be nice if that's how things worked? But we don't live in that world, Ms. Becky. Mm -hmm. uh, what is 
Stranded Morgan team up to give Dakota an end the way Virginia ended Janice. Ooh. Okay, if this were real life, I would be all for that. But since we're talking about a TV show, I don't think they would show that happening to a kid. <laughs> Wait, well, you would be okay in real life? <laughs> you just, well, I mean, you know, there's no cameras in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there really aren't any consequences. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that's what, <laughs> that's what she deserves. But yeah, you know we can't we can't do that to a to a kid on screen. Listen, where we live, the fact that we can debate this, the fact that we can discuss this to route it out means this is where humanity lives. I don't want to pat ourselves on the back here, but like the fact that we have to talk about it and rationalize and, and talk it through means that this is where humanity exists. Humanity I didn't exist in the discussion of this matter because I am not comfortable all the time watching a zombie horror flick and realizing that there's no point to any of this. Everybody's going to die. And it's like part of me, part of what I like about The Walking Dead is the, the struggle to have the conversation, struggle to eke out some sort of thriving, to have some sort of position in life where you can eke out something. You could die tomorrow. You get hit by a bus. You get bit by a, bit, bit by a walker. But how do you spend those last bits of, bits of your days? And that's the question. Who do you become? If every inherent life has value, because of that, because that's what that means, then this is why we have to have the, the conversation. This is why we have to read our comments, your comments, because it's nothing without you guys. It really isn't. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have you guys to bounce all this stuff out, off of, I mean, what would be the point? Yeah. You'd be monsters. You wouldn't even watch the show because it's full of shit. People trying to eke out an existence in the face <laughs> of a zombie apocalypse. There's no point. What the, what's the point? <laughs> but we talk about it because it's worth it. It means something inherently. Mm -hmm. Like John says, it means something because it has to. Who said? Who said because it has to? It has to mean something. I think it was Felix. Oh, he has to be alive. Yeah. Right. Uh, this was, he was talking Leo. About Leo. Mm -hmm. Or, and well, Will. He has to be alive, but mostly they have Leo. To be al I'll yeah. get there. So John takes a dunk. Hits the bottom, sees the photo, and this is this weird brief moment where like I see his face. It's like he's like almost like rolling his eyes. <laughs> he's like almost like going, "Okay, you're right, Dad. Let's go, <laughs> let's go up." And then what? It, what does he do if not on the half broken door float down the river? Hope to to God that that it has the same effect that it had on June washing up on his shores. Like this, this river has a tendency to bring the dead back to life, and it didn't work out. But it, yeah. that's supposed to also tell us something. Like it, yes, it's, it sucks, but it also tells us something is that like there's no magic in it we make the magic but it also means that sometimes it is too late and this is what i was trying to say before if you if you make it 100% your mission to get the thing. You will get it. You will get it. If you are determined enough, you will get it. I don't know how, if you will like it by the time you get it. And what I'm talking about is John wanting to die. You can't just pull back after you put all that intention into it. And by the end of it, oh, now you want to pull back. Some things that you just have to eventually accept as a part of life. Yeah, that damn door, <laughs> Sharon D says, the parallel. Yeah, wanting to keep the walkers out so they can't, couldn't get to him. And that was the thing that brought him back, that made mm -hmm. him want to, that was the vehicle for him to get back to june the thing that was meant to keep everybody out <laughs> um yeah and why don't you describe the scene at the end he grabs her hand she grabs his hand right before he gets a little too close for comfort i don't think she ever would have done it but for a split second i it's almost like she considers just letting him bite her i don't think she ever would have but right but i do i think maybe the thought crossed her mind even for a split second i think it's also meant to tell the audience that like i hate to say this because it's hard but like that she's in some ways just like the highway they've, they've gone in different directions june has found even more of a reason to live and john can't find his way through a world like this june just seems to be nimble do you know what i mean she just seems to almost 
thrive. And so when I see that scene, I see a woman who knows that if he gets too close, she can take him out. I also see a world in which she can take that luxury of a second and know that she'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Not like the joining him thing. I think she's like, let me have this because I can take it. Let me have this because I can endure it. Let me have this because I want it. And when the time is right, I will end him. But that like 30 minutes in a bottle of like a half a second, mm -hmm. that that's what I felt. I felt like time stopped for her. Showrunners, let me have this moment, this this little moment in time. I thought that was beautiful, though. Now, Sherry, you, you tell me to stop, please. But that beautiful scene, even though it breaks our heart, I, I would have regretted not having had it. It's almost as if there's like this kind of like not getting this episode before it's been the lockdown. It's almost a nice thing that the, the directors, the showrunners, the writers gave us that ostensibly in this world we wouldn't get. This little moment where, of course, John's a zombie. Of course, he's not reaching out as John to June's hand, but we got it anyway. We got a what if, and we got June reaching back. And I think that's a kindness to us. I think they know it was supposed to hurt us and that it's going to hurt us. And I think it was a kindness. And I think it was a beautiful moment to have in this wide perspective shot that I saw slowed down to, to just savor that moment, to say, hey, goodbye. We have to appreciate these things. The only thing I have left is really the song itself. The reason why I like the song a lot for this for this moment where John is taking this dive into the water is I, I like it because it, it says so much, you know, to find somebody to believe in. And it really, really captures some of the things that we were talking about in this episode. And it's talking about the, the man himself uh, in a world with like, quote unquote, fake news, in a world where things can be spun around and corrupted. To be that thing to believe in means you hold on to that for dear life and you don't let it go. And even though that thing can escape you, you can also be the thing for others to believe in too. And I like the message in that. When you're beaten down by the world, you can you can choose to become the thing that others can believe in. And that's what I saw in John. When you see something like that in the world, you want to be that. And that's why I thought the song was so powerful. And I don't think that's the complete meaning of what they were trying to say. Like I got literally quotes from the person who said, who basically explained the album slash the song. In this fantasy, everyone everyone is someone to believe. Now, hinting at the slanted viewpoint uh, through which each of us sees the world. This could be Dakota, this could be this, could be that. But it's, it could be John, it could be June, uh, Morgan even. We should question everything we're told is the truth for a better world. And if we had more of that, John would be alive. Dakota might work more cooperatively rather than exclusively or self-interestedly. Self in this fantasy, everyone needs someone to believe in is a question and a statement. Without belief, there's no purpose in life. Belief is really the architecture to our reality. We believe in things, therefore they become something we, we maneuver around. And without belief, there's just no reason to be. Find someone to believe in, folks. Like June. Or be someone with which others can believe, which will hopefully bring about people for you to believe in. And Charity, timely enough, says hashtag believe in June. Hashtag believe in Charity. Hashtag believe in Rachel. Hashtag believe in Becky. <laughs> Hashtag believe in Alania and uh, hashtag believe in Nisa. I know you're there. <laughs> and hashtag believe in Rebecca Punch, who's probably asleep right now. But that's the thing. I want to be able to walk away from this episode saying, and look, and everybody looking around and saying, this is what this is all about, about holding on to the things you have while you have it. Try not to lose hope. Try to be the thing with which others can believe, even though, even though it's hard. <laughs> hashtag believe in David. Don't give up. Don't give up. Believe in yourself. <laughs> Question everything. <laughs> Don't be so sure about everything. Ask the questions. That's what we do every fucking week. <laughs> we have to. We have to. We have to go through it all. And we might not get through everything. And then I get DMs from everybody being like, can you believe this shit? I'm like, no, I didn't consider that. <laughs> but now that you're talking about it, I'll... Right, Becky? Right? <laughs> right, Charity? <laughs> right, Nisa? And then we talk about serial killers for like four hours. <laughs> 
So with that, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. I know it's sudden, just like some things, but uh, if you like what we do, and if you don't like what we do, but you still support what we do, <laughs> if you hate us, but still think we're necessary, rate this podcast at ratethispodcast.com slash dead. Five stars and netic plan is all we need to know that you love us. Use it as a means to communicate your feelings to us, but use it because it helps. Our ratings across the world are great. In the US, eh, it kind of sucks, but <laughs> anything you give us on rate this, at ratethispodcast.com slash dead helps do it. And if you really, really, really like, like what we do and you want to be a part of the chat as we go through these episodes, as we record them, or to be able to get the unedited recordings once we're done, so you can get all the goods, some of the things that we talked about in the pre-show, like talking about very shows that we that we watch how television is kind of great uh and also uh, reginald val johnson oh we didn't yeah. mention him once in this episode right exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> head over to ko-fi.com squawking dead just follow us you don't have to buy us a coffee but if you do you'll get 30 days of access to our supporter back content and if you subscribe to a coffee the party just keeps on rolling you'll continue to get great perks content and new things that hopefully are coming out very soon just be in the know know when we record get the unedited episodes if you want if you don't want, that's fine. But at least you'll know that they're here so you can take care of that situation. And who knows what interview is coming up next with which you can join the audience. That last one with Alexa Nysenson, that edit is almost done. That We got a huge response from that. We'd love for you to be on to the next interview, be able to ask questions in the audience. We did a really good job with that last time, I think. So guys, be a part of the action. And either way, I know personally, looking at these notes, I feel like we could do this all night. Honestly, we could do this until the morning and we'd have to My come up and say, oh, <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. The motivation to do so is there because yeah. we don't want to say goodbye. We don't, but I'm glad we did this. I'm glad we weren't formulaic about it. I'm glad we just let our thoughts come to us as they came about. I, we hit on some things in our notes just to kind of hit on them. But I think the big thing is this is almost a love letter to John Dory. Sometimes you just have to break the format a little bit and go outside the bounds of an episode to kind of really capture it best. So thank you so much, everybody, for joining us i hope you appreciated this episode thank you so much in the chat you got your input was invaluable today oh yeah and awesome we will we will lock arms next week and keep covering these episodes as they come in honor of our character john dory and in honor of june who's probably grieving him the most or probably morgan <laughs> poor morgan june can take care of it june can handle it morgan take care everybody good night and we'll see you next week it's gonna be okay